19 with the Toronto Raptors, has played for the Grizzlies, Raptors, and Lakers through his career, and has made the All-Star team three times. It's time. It's time. Tuscaloosa's longest-running sports show. The biggest goal of our team, especially in the first half, we at Bama, we're trying to be the best. Always is to win a national championship. Something cool to look back on. We don't want to waste the failure. You're inside the game. The game. John Mechie on the ground. Appreciate your interest in the game. On your home for Alabama sports. And Alabama wins. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota. And now, now, here's your award-winning host. Ryan, Ryan Fowler. And a big good afternoon to you. Welcome into the game. T-Town, Tide 100.9, Tide100.9.com. You can find us on the FM dial, Tide109.com, Tide109.com. We're going to hand off to Alabama basketball right around 430, so a little bit of an abbreviated show, but we're still going to jam in a lot of content. Two and a half hours, we'll take your phone calls, Alabama, over Against the Georgia Bulldogs, we will uh, kind of cover that, and then we'll hand off to uh, Brian and uh, Chris and uh, Tom as well as we get you ready for Alabama basketball. The first two and a half hours, though, is going to include Aaron Torres at 3.30. We're going to feature Aaron Torres, Fox Sports, which we have an affiliation with here on Tide 100.9. Fox Sports Radio National Analyst. We'll talk a little basketball with him. We'll talk about his opinions around Tennessee because you know there's two different debates here. Either Tennessee gets hammered or they walk free. Many people think they'll walk. Many people think that this is going to be a, you know, pull up a chair, grab some popcorn, pour you a glass, a half and half sweet tea, and uh, have a little fun uh, because we're all going to sit here and watch this uh, little bit of a peeing contest between the chancellor and the NCAA president. Looks like Tennessee's not going to back down. Now they've got lawsuits involved. And from a legality standpoint, I've been watching our friend Josh from College Football Nerds. Josh is a former lawyer and not a former lawyer, lawyer, he's a current lawyer. And I saw him post some legal opinions on uh, this and we may try to connect with Josh very, very soon. CollegeFootballNerds.com. We're also going to feature Joe Pendry throughout the week. This week, we're focusing on all the coaches. We had Coach Jim McElwain yesterday. We had Coach Butch Jones on yesterday. We had Coach Pete Jenkins on Monday. Today, we're going to dive in as we continue our tribute to Nick Saban. We're going to dive into Joe Pendry coming up, and he's driving uh, that he's going to be in his vehicle, so we're going to talk with him a couple of different segments. So Joe Pendry, former offensive line coach. I mean, all you have to do is understand that Joe spent, Joe spent a lot of time here, was a part of the early dynasty. I mean, even Jim McElwain talking about it uh, yesterday. He said nobody was closer to Nick Saban than Joe Pendry. Uh, Joe Pendry was his right-hand guy. And he started coaching back in West Virginia. I guess that's the ties also with Nick Saban, Joe Pendry, and, you know, the Bobby Bowden, uh, Jimbo Fishers out of, out of West Virginia. So that what, it's kind of odd that that state has produced some of the high-quality football coaches. But when you think about coaching in the NFL, he spent 20 years coaching in the NFL. But you stretch back from 1971, and really that's that matches up with what Nick Saban, that's the, around the same time period. So uh, he has spent a time here as assistant head coach. He's still considered a consultant here at the University of Alabama, still does some work. So we'll feature him for a couple of different segments to share some stories around Nick Saban. But we start today 
And we're going to spend two segments with Joe Pender. Then we'll take phone calls coming up. So we'll kind of split it up. There's no way that we can jam it all in one interview uh, or just one segment. So Joe Pendry coming up. And then we'll take phone calls at 205-342-9904. Remember to connect with all of us on our social networks, uh, my personal page, Ryan Fowler. Connect with me there. Like me there. I know we have around 14,000 that follow me on the Facebook account. On Twitter, it's at Ryan C. Fowler. Uh, follow the station. We're always putting up some great content. We have, you know, boots on the ground down in Mobile. Wyatt Fulton is down covering the Senior Bowl. Kalen DeBoer spoke about an hour ago, and he said a couple of things. I know Christian and Corey just played some of that audio just a couple of minutes ago, but I'm going to also add to that. So they, they played the first few minutes. We're going to play the back few minutes where you don't hear it just all in about a 30-minute window. So Kalen DeBoer said a couple of things down in the mobile, the senior bowl that kind of grabbed us. Let's play a couple of audio clips from the head football coach at the University of Alabama, Kalen DeBoer, meeting with members of the media. It's not a press conference, so the audio is not going to be perfect, uh, but it's one of those that you kind of gather around. This was uh, how we gathered that audio just a couple of minutes ago from Kalen DeBoer. Coach, in the offseason when it's hard for the coaching staff to spend as much time with the players, how beneficial could it be for Jalen Milrow to be around a Brailsford, be around a Bernard, where they could just talk player to player about the offense? Yeah, you know, from a staff standpoint, we're really looking forward to next week uh, to being around our guys and um, spending a lot of time with the team, you know, back on campus. But um, those that have, have come uh, with us uh, from Washington, yeah, there's certainly an understanding of, you know, even the system, you know, and what, what uh, you know, what certain concept, concepts are called and how we teach them. Um, so hopefully uh, back on campus, uh, they're picking up on those things. Uh, Jalen with, you know, Austin and uh, as well as, uh, you know, having a center uh, like Parker there um, knows all the calls and uh, we can we can hit the ground running here uh, next week when it comes to installing offense and defensive systems. What was the process bringing on Kane Womack as the defensive coordinator? Well, I just know he's really good. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I saw him uh, every single day in practice there in 2019 going against him, and I think he's just, uh, you know, continued to take those steps forward uh, the year after I left, and uh, you know, him being a head coach and especially understanding uh, everything down here in, in uh, Alabama, the state. Uh, I know he's a relationship guy, and so, um, you know, he just brings a lot of energy and uh, organizational skills that I know are going to be really important for our program. Um, you know, I think it says a lot about you know, the University of Alabama to be able to pull someone uh, like Kane and, and all the things that he had going for him with uh, the success he's had in South Alabama. What did you see from Austin Mack that made you want to bring him over here? Well, I think his skill set and all the tools he brings as a, as a quarterback, the arm talent, um, but I also just think he's got a, a, a really great head on his shoulders. Uh, he's, he's young, um, and for him to do what he did this last year with us, he reclassified and um, really learned the offense as fast as anyone I've ever seen at that age. And so, uh, you know, he's got to just continue to continue to grow, continue to develop. And I know he's all about those challenges. He sees them as opportunities. And uh, it was exciting for him uh, as well as us to have him come down here. Coach, your team won the Joe Moore Award. Did your offensive line have a specific uh, 
physicality and, and uh, different shapes and size. In other words, are they 300 pounders, 350? Are you like big? You like them quick? You like them? How do you like your offensive line? Yeah, I, I think um, you know we just worked with what we had, and uh, obviously it was a strong group. Uh, you know, multiple. You know, both uh, our right tackle and left tackle are going to be high end draft picks, and uh, you know, Rogers here at the Senior Bowl and doing a great job. So um, talent, you know, um, was 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 in a great spot there. Now it's just a matter of you know utilizing their strengths. And, uh, a lot of it revolved around you know what your quarterback can do. And with Michael, uh, we were able to protect him. And, um, then I think as the season went along, each and every year, uh, 22 and 23, uh, we developed a run game as the year went along, and that was important for us to win a conference championship. And uh, you know, the game, you, you always say you wear you wear the pads for a reason, right? It's uh, meant to, to be a physical game, and so uh, the heart and soul of what we do, we we'll have to rely on that. You've been in a couple of new places the last couple of years. Uh, with your experience the last handful of years, adjusting in the spring to a new place, how quick does it take to for everybody to adapt and learn your system? Yeah, I think, first of all, from a coach's standpoint, you just jump all in. And, uh, you know, as far as getting to know the guys and uh, the relationships, um, and I think that's what you ask of your players, too, is not try to wonder and, and second guess in any way. Um, and if they embrace, embrace uh, what we are going to bring to them, you know, we can make these strides uh, very quickly in the, in the weeks and months ahead uh, of our street. So from the time you got the job, what's the roster management been like in terms of guys on the roster and recruiting and future recruiting classes? I think uh, just with our own roster management, uh, it's, it's really, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job. I know initially, uh, when certainty was there, and Coach Sanders was there, and we lost some guys, and there were some guys that were gone even before that, but uh, maybe it's just a handful of things. So, uh, you know, I feel really good about where the, the kind of mindset of the team is at, and uh, they're into workouts, and uh, wanting to hold the state. Can't wait to get the, I know they can't wait to get what our systems are, and the playbooks, and all of that. So, I think it's just a really good spot. Obviously, we got to, you know, work for the 25 class, but we're also making sure that the, the guys in the 24 are still with us. So, they're on campus, and not with us until this summer. So um, I think we're in a really good spot. Uh, there's some, some spots that we continue to look for as far as filling in some gaps. Uh, and uh, you know, our staff is uh, all hands on What was it about Coach Gillespie and Coach Rose that, that appealed to you? First of all, you, you you listen to what the people around the program all have to say, and uh, you know in, relation, in, in regards to their relationships with the players, um, how strong their position groups were, um, who they were as far as people, uh, as well as what their you know impact has been um, you know in the recruiting. And uh, man, these guys have been amazing. Um, they helped us uh, keep the team together. I think uh, through some tough times, uh, even before I was hired, uh, I think they had a huge. Uh, impact on that, uh, and then once I got here, uh, just locking arms with them and trusting them. Um, just like I asked the guys to be all in on me, I was all in on them, and, and they've been that way as well. And, uh, they've allowed us to hit the ground running, you know, here these uh, these last two weeks uh, on the recruiting trail, and uh, you know, I can see uh, I can see very clearly that we made some really good decisions on keeping them here with us uh, at Alabama. All right, so the Kalen DeBoer, and that was the audio from a media gathering there. And we've got National Signing Day, so we'll get a double dose with Kalen DeBoer. We'll have National Signing Day. I assume that they'll – and we're all – it's a learning curve, right? We're, we're trying to predict 
what it will be like. We know that Nick Saban has always done the press conference on National Signing Day. We assume that Kalen DeBoer will do the same. Most coaches do, uh, but that is an assumption on my part. So we'll talk with uh, that, and, and there's a lot of things that we can unpack. Joe Pendry coming up in just a couple of minutes in transition here. Kalen DeBoer also visiting with his quarterback. Like I said, we've got live coverage there with Wyatt Fulton on the ground at the Senior Bowl Tide109.com. There's some great articles involving the University of Alabama and everything that Kalen DeBoer said. Uh, we'll continue to make that audio a part of our show. Aaron Torres coming up. Uh, we'll dive into it uh, coming up with him. But Joe Pendry is next. Two segments we're going to spend with a legendary football coach. Joe Pendry next. T-Town Tide 100.9, 1230. WTBC, your home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Now, this hour is West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. State and local police are asking for help locating a 16-year-old missing in Lamar County Wednesday. According to an emergency missing child alert issued by the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency Wednesday morning, the Vernon Police Department is asking for help to find Derek Anthony Cohen Jr. Cohen is 16 and was last seen at 11.30 p.m. Tuesday, but has been missing since. Elected officials in Tuscaloosa are weighing whether to revoke the business license of a hookah lounge where a security guard beat and fatally shot. Babble language for life celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold go to babbel.com and start learning a new language today that's b-a-b-b-e-l.com dreamlandbbq.com dreamland barbecue since 1958 coach Braun arrived at the university of alabama so did dreamland with big daddy's barbecue hickory smoke ribs if you're talking about catering for that big tailgate or maybe it's just that family gathering or that small office party you can do it at either location you can also order online carry out curbside pickup delivery are now available it is dreamlandbbq.com we do our score prediction every tuesday and wednesday made possible by dreamland that wonderful hickory smoke barbecue ribs how about the big daddy barbecue sandwich those wings are underrated they're one of the best in town you'll find them there how about those barbecue baked potatoes absolutely either look your best bet for big wins is just minutes away at birmingham racecourse casino where you can be a winner too off i-459 exit 31 derby parkway tide 100.9 tuscaloosa weather a cool breezy afternoon the sky mostly sunny the high today 53 fair tonight with the low at 31 tomorrow and friday lots of sunshine both days with a warming trend the high right around the corner so grab your swiffer wet jet and just spray push all clean the pharmacy at Midtown, T.J. Thomas. He's the Nick Saban of pharmacists, and if your pharmacist doesn't have an Alabama shirt on, you don't want him. 205-752-0627, sterile compounding facility, the only sterile compounding facility here in T-Town and West Alabama. All the compounding needs, the retail side, if you're looking for a pharmacy, many of those have closed here in West Alabama, and you're looking to transfer your prescriptions, PharmacyMidtown.com. PharmacyMidtown.com. Conveniently located right there at the back of Midtown. You'll find the pharmacy at Midtown a huge part of our show. You're listening to the best sports talk show, breaking down the Crimson Tide. The game with Ryan Fowler on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really gotta 
Part of our program, ASME certification, I-beam installation, fabrication. If you're building for the ground up, let's build something together. It's Brian Harden Construction as we roll on. 213 days away from Alabama Crimson Tide football, about 33 away from Alabama's first practice and 73 days away from Alabama's A-Day. We talk Alabama Crimson Tide football and to continue our theme this week, we've been honoring Coach Saban, and we've been spending a lot of time with coaches. Next week, we'll feature players. This week, it's all about the coaches who have worked with Nick Saban. I know Jim McElwain made this point yesterday on our show. He said uh, probably nobody was as close to Nick Saban as Joe Pendry. In with that, with an introduction, when you look back at starting at West Virginia as a wide receivers coach in 1971, to finish up his responsibilities here at the University of Alabama. Joe Pendry, it's an absolute honor to be able to feature you on my show. I hope you're having a great day, sir. Sure am, Ryan. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. And I know you're traveling. Uh, I think you told me you were headed back to Tuscaloosa, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm awake, coming through Atlanta right now. Okay. Well, thank you again for helping us uh, talk about Coach Nick Saban. Uh, you, you, as uh, Jim McElwain pointed out, and uh, many others, when you look back at your relationship, when did you first meet Coach Nick Saban? Well, I met Nick, actually, when he was playing high school football. I, okay. I was playing, I was playing at West Virginia, and... My roommate, who happened to be Joe Manchin, his uh, in college, his brother, uh, they were from the same area as Nick. Joe Manchin was, and uh, Joe's younger brother was playing high school ball. So we went down and watched uh, his his brother play against Nick when Nick was playing in high school. Now, and then Nick used to come to the West Virginia games and. Then we were together at West Virginia, so probably since the 70s that uh, I've known Nick. Joe, as you look at him in, in his expertise, what has allowed him, in your mind, the way that you see it as a, as a coach, what has allowed Coach Saban to be this successful? I don't know if there's just one thing, Ryan. Okay. He's, he's very... He's an intelligent guy. He's very driven, very passionate about it. Uh, and he is a great teacher and communicator, and he cares about his players. And you put all those things in a ball, and that that puts him where he is. Is probably the best that's done it in college football. When you look at him retiring, uh Coach Pendry, when did you first find out that Coach Saban was retiring? And kind of give me your reaction uh, when you hear the news. Well, I've kind of found out about when everybody else did, kind of knew a little bit about it. But uh, I I was happy for him that he made the decision that, that he made and kind of sad for college football because they lost a great leader and a guy that cared about the uh, college football and uh, was instrumental in a lot of different aspects of the game. And if some of it needed change, he was a guy who had an opportunity to change it, and most people would listen to him. 
And and I think a lot of his focus, now we don't know his exact plans, but um, anytime you can have Coach Saban involved with college football, it's better for the game. And uh, I know he's going to continue a role as an advisor, whatever that title may be, but uh, he, he authentically cares about the game of college football. Oh, no, there's no doubt about that. And he, he he's been instrumental in a bunch of adjustments in the game in the last 15 to 20 years. Uh, and he'd like to see some more, I'm sure. And uh, it would be great for college football if somehow he could be involved in the administration of some of the problems and the correction of some of the problems that – college football has now coach what will it take to reestablish um some of the issues in college football i mean we, we feel like we've lost control in the last 30 uh, excuse me the last you know calendar year it just seems like a lot of chaos i'm not sure if that's the way you see it. i'm not trying to put words in your mouth but in your opinion what can reestablish maybe get all this back on an equal footing i wish i knew the answer to that ryan but some somehow there have to be uh, parameters set on the problems that we have today, and you know, and that's that's what's affecting coaches in college football. It's a combination of the portal and the NIL, and you can't say blame the players because I could take myself back all those years of when I was. Uh, playing in college that if, if you had that opportunity to take that money or if you weren't happy somewhere to go somewhere else then I'm not sure there's not a bunch of us that wouldn't have done it but there have to be parameters of set so everybody's operating on the same level that whatever it is NIL Whatever it is uh, with the uh, transfer portal, there has to be, there's going to have to be some parameters set. Coach, uh, we had Tom Lemming on, uh, a guy that has covered recruiting for over 45 years, and he was part of our show last week, and he shared some things about Coach Saban. He said, you know, Coach Saban is the greatest recruiter in the history of sports, in college, uh, collegiate sports. He said, regardless of basketball, football, it doesn't matter. You had a chance to watch him in the early part of building this dynasty. You, you were part of his staff at the end. You were part of his staff at the beginning. When you look back at him as a recruiter, what makes him such an effective recruiter, Coach? I'm going to tell you, Ryan, the same thing that made him uh, a great coach. There, there was no detail too small in coaching or recruiting. Nick would find out. First of all, he's a he's a great evaluator. He can look at the player on video, watch him play, know his see the strengths and weaknesses and how he fits in to the things that we wanted to do at the University of Alabama. That was the very first part of it was the evaluation. Then after that Nick knew every detail about it. He'd find out everything about that young man, his family, who would uh, have the most influence on him, uh, what his strengths and weaknesses were as an individual, what his interests were. Same thing that made Nick uh, a 
an outstanding coach was the same reason he got was a great recruiter, and he spent time on it. He he, he got to know the, the young man. He got to know his family, and and he made sure that all his coaches covered every, every aspect of recruiting. Also, I would agree with Tom. I don't know of anybody who has ever done it better than than Nick did. Coach, what do you remember about that first year of 2007 as Coach Saban is trying to implement his system, you coming out of the NFL from the Houston Texans to the University of Alabama? What do you remember about that first year of Coach Saban? If you can maybe think back and and think about that transition uh, as Mike Shula departs and Coach Saban comes in. Well, I'm just establishing the program First thing I can remember, that was the hottest summer we ever had. We had 14 days in a row in training camp in August, uh, over around 100 degrees, and poor Jeff Allen, it worked him to death trying to keep guys hydrated. Uh, but the, the key thing was setting our culture, Nick's culture of the program, and demanding that this is the way we want to do it, and if you will do it this way, we'll give you the best opportunity to be successful at Alabama and in your future. And But it was, we had some good players, not as many as we end up recruiting and having later, but a bunch of those guys like Wallace Gilberry, guys like that, uh, they set the foundation for the way it was going to be. Antoine Caldwell, those guys... They bought into the program, and and the foundation was set for for the next 16, 17 years. And it it was a grind, but it was end up being the the year. That everybody thinks it might have been two thousand and eight, nine, uh, but the, the foundation was set, even though the record wasn't the best in the world in two thousand and seven. You know, you, you, you mentioned those players of that transition, and you think about those players, that leadership in that locker room. Not that it, it's it's similar, but Coach Saban, the foundation is more solid than what it was in 2007. But you almost think about that transition now from Nick Saban passing the torch to Kalen DeBoer, uh, how key that leaders are in that locker room because you pointed out those leaders had a chance to go undefeated in 2008. Many of those stayed around. Uh, the Mike Johnsons of the world, uh, Greg McElroy's of the world. I mean, those guys were here in that transition. Yeah. John Parker Wilson, you've already mentioned him. I mean, think about those key leaders and what they meant to the University of Alabama. Well, there's no doubt. Those guys you just mentioned were very instrumental in, in, in the success we had in 8, 9, uh, and they were leaders. I think the key difference is those guys had not experienced the success that they wanted to have uh, as opposed to these guys now who are who Coach DeBoer is inheriting. They've experienced a little more success, even though they have, this group has not reached the mountaintop like uh, most of our other groups had. 
Coach, I want to come back, and I want to split this segment if we can. Let's take a break right here, and we'll come back, because I want to ask you about offensive line. You you are a offensive-minded coach. You spend a lot of your time focusing on that offensive line, especially here at the University of Alabama and the National Football League as well. I want to ask you about you know what it takes to be a good offensive lineman, and is that changed over the years with this current offensive structure. And we're out now visiting with Coach Joe Pendry. We'll continue with more of the game coming up in just a thousand or visit meswins.com. I've got this. No representation made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. DanielMoreArt.com. As we celebrate special occasions, birthdays, anniversary, that Alabama fan in your life, it's DanielMoreArt.com. Christmas time upcoming. You want to celebrate that Alabama fan by visiting the website. All the great prints celebrating Heisman winners, great coaches. Nick Saban and Alabama has given us so many great moments to think about. And we talk about living rooms. Tua Tungavailoa, second and 26. Devontae Smith, Heisman Heights, Mark Ingram, Bryce Young, Nick Saban, Coach Stallings, Coach Bryant, DanielMoreArt.com. Remember the code word, the game gets a significant discount. You got to put it in the game, significant discount, DanielMoreArt.com. And we would also ask when you updated. They're designed to help protect against recent variants. Learn more about a COVID-19 vaccine option at SchedulecovidVax.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food right there in Northport. If you're looking for the great specials daily, the fajitas are outstanding. The pastor's dip, the appetizers, the fried ice cream, always a great option. It is Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food. Also find the food truck. And we are also now serving breakfast at Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food. Stop by the McFarland Boulevard location. You can also find him at Northside Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food with Pastor Garcia. Catch every game and every moment right here. This is your home of Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Into the game here in Tuscaloosa. We're going to continue our conversation with Joe Pendry. We're visiting with him right now. We're talking Alabama Crimson Tide football. And, uh, Coach, I want to go back and, and ask you as an offensive lineman, uh, when, when you think about the offensive line standpoint, is what makes a great offensive lineman, let's say 20 years ago, is that the same today in your opinion? That's one thing that has not changed. Uh, the up front on both sides of the ball, the offensive line, defensive line, and you know they're in a restricted area. The rest of the field, down through the last 15 years, everybody has spread it out, playing three and four uh, receivers and sometimes five receivers at a time. But those those guys, front guys on offense and defense, that have part has not changed. And the key part of it is, Offensive line and defensive line play starts from the ground up. You have to have a good base, have to have your feet on the ground and and balance. Then you have to be able to create some power and have power angles in your ankles, knees, hips, unlock those and create power. So that part's never changed. 
Now, when I was coaching in college, and I remember coaching the University of Pittsburgh, the offensive line, that was the first year in the 70s that offensive linemen were able to use their hands inside and use their hands in pass protection. But that part's been the same for 40-some years now. But it has not changed in the last 20 years, Ryan. And I'm getting a former player that's texting me right now as he's listening. He's giving me little tips to ask uh, Coach Pendry. He said, uh, and it's Mike Johnson. He, he does radio over in Atlanta, does a great job. He's saying, listen, great Coach. Guy. He said, Coach Pendry would have said, I don't give a blank if they had 26 in the box. You can't fit them all in <laughs> one gap. Uh, he said, that's your famous quote, uh, Coach. Yeah, that's a fact. And Mike knows that because everybody says you can't run the ball if they put them all up there. I told Mike, I said, to hell with that. We're going to run it. I don't care how many they put up there. Then your job is to block them. So, and he was a great one now. And one of the finest young men I've ever coached. Well, he says the same thing about you. And, and Mike, I was preparing for the interview, kind of getting some tips out there. And he was giving me, he said, you got to ask him this story. You got to ask him this story. But he says there's still more to the story about you first time you met Coach Nick Saban. Did, did you share all that with us earlier? I mean, I know you did, but the first time you met yeah. Nick Saban for the first time. Oh, the first time I met him. That, oh, I can't remember all that. Okay. I met him when he was a player, and I met him as a coacher so many times. I know Mike wants me to tell a story that I might not tell. Okay, okay, there you go. There you go. That's where he was trying to get to, which I'm not going to squeeze that out of you, Coach. But Now, I will ask you this, though. He says there's a great story about Bobby Bowden making you show up at the complex at 6 a.m. in the morning just to wash his car. Is, is that a – Well, when, yeah, when, when I got hurt playing and then I was going to be a student assistant and Bobby Bowden was the offensive coordinator and he was the one that talked me into getting into coaching and being a student assistant and he said – and your first job is to wash my car and be here early in the morning to do it. And that that was a true story. Coach, what that is was, it? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. My apologies. That was a long time ago. Coach, what is it about West Virginia that makes great football coaches? Yourself, Bobby Bowden, Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban. And, and maybe I'm missing a few, but, I mean, you think about West Virginia. What is it about that state uh, that produces good football coaches? You know, I, I don't know, but there have been a bunch of guys coaching college in the NFL who have come out of West Virginia down through the years. And uh, I think one thing every all of us have in common is, is uh, the fact that we like teaching, you know, teaching young men and seeing them develop and, and caring about your players and making sure they're going to be successful. And all, we all do it differently. Uh, Nick's style is different than mine, and Jimbo's, I'm sure, is different. Uh, coach, uh, all the guys down through the years, but I think that's probably one thing we all had in common. Coach, do you know anything about Kaywin DeBoer? No, I do not. Never met the gentleman. I know he's, he's done a good job, uh, been successful, and I wish him the very best at, at uh, Alabama now. And it's uh, 
there's good players left there. I know several of them have gone, but I understand that he's doing a good job recruiting, and I wish him the very best. That Alabama's a great place. Coach, uh, you know, and, and we're, we're kind of excited to see what he's able to do on the offensive line. I mean, he took, uh, that offensive line there in Washington. And now, now coach, I will tell you this. We feature more offensive linemen than anybody in the country. We pride ourselves. I mean, running backs are important. Wide receivers are important. Quarterbacks. But coach, you're on this show. We talk more offensive line play than any other show in the country. So we appreciate the big nasties. And we were highlighting Scott Huff, which is the new offensive line coach. They they won the Joe Moore Award uh, last year as the top offensive line in the country. Yeah, and I I haven't had a chance to watch them very much. But you're doing the right thing in featuring the offensive line. Because the offensive and defensive line, and, and just like you said, Washington was where they were. And, uh, you know, they had good skill players, but without that offensive line playing the way they did, it would have been difficult. And that's that's the key. I, I don't think I've, all my years, 50 years of doing this, I'm not sure I've ever been around a good team that, a real winning team that, that our offensive line play was not instrumental in us winning. I know I haven't. Now, some of them are more talented than others, and a lot of times you have to do what they can do. Some of them are bigger and stronger, can run block better. Some of them pull, uh, are pulling guards or pull the tackles, but you have to feature the things they can do. And if you do and you get production out of that offensive line, Ryan, you have a good chance to win. I want to ask you about Mark May. I always enjoyed listening to him. You coached him there at Pittsburgh. He went on yep. to win two Super Bowls, Pro Bowl. I mean, you look back at what he was able to accomplish. What made him such a special football player as a unanimous first-team All-American? Well, he he had the size, first of all. He was a big guy back in those days. In the 70s, Mark was like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and probably weighed. 290, which was big back in those days, maybe 300. And he had, he could bend. He had, he was very intelligent too. Uh, had good foot and body quickness. He loved to play the game and he was physical. And we had another player who also ended up in the Hall of Fame was my center, Russ Grimm. And he had, had uh, Played the Redskins was one of the hogs with Mark May. And I, both of those guys at University of Pittsburgh, so we had a pretty good chance to have a good team with those two to start with. I used to love listening to Mark May on ESPN break down football. And one of the things that always stuck out to me about Alabama, he'd say, uh, you know, when you look at Alabama, he said, you know exactly what they want to do. And this was, you know, when you were here as the, uh, as a coach and he yeah. said, he said, you know exactly what Alabama wants to do. The problem is you can't do anything about it. And, and yeah, he was, yeah. <laughs> he said, not a secret. That was, no, that's back then, you know, we were, we were going to feature what we, the, the talent we had and we were going to establish toughness. And, and as Nick always said, when they walk up, when we walk off of that field and the other team walks off, they want to say, I don't want to ever play Alabama again. 
And the way you do that is you establish the toughness. You win your individual box, your individual battles, and you make that guy say that you're playing against in the fourth quarter, I've had enough. And, and you just do it over and over and over again, and most of the time we were able to do that. Coach, how do you watch football now when you watch a game? Do you put yourself in a, in a coach's role? Do you try to watch it as just a fan of the game of football? How do you watch a game in your in your living room? Well, if I'm watching the NFL, I, I watch all my the guys I've coached down through the years or the coaches who are in the game who are friends of mine now. But I still I watch I watch line play, but. You know, I was an offensive coordinator in the NFL for about 15 years, so I watched schemes, too. You know, so uh, I kind of watched the whole game, and then sometimes I'll watch all the players. And in, in college, when I watch all the college football, I, I kind of concentrate more on the line play, probably just watch it. Coach, I'd like to ask you the final question. We're honoring Coach Saban. Is there a story of your relationship, as Jim McElwain said yesterday, he said you will not find anybody that's closer to Nick Saban than Coach Joe Pendry. Uh, is there a story that stands above the rest that you're willing to share as we try to pay tribute to Coach Saban and what he meant to the University of Alabama? Well, not one particular story that about our relationship, except we've been good friends, and Nick and my whole time in Alabama, and since, actually since I've known Nick, we have never had a crossword. I mean, the whole time I coached for him, and we disagreed sometimes, but we've never had a crossword. And that's because we've had so much respect for one another. And I've, I've, I've respected him as, as much as any coach I've ever been around. I've had the good fortune to be around some pretty good ones. But, Ryan, before we go, I want, I want to tell you one story about yeah, Nick's please. intelligence. We're playing Auburn, and Mike will remember this, in 2009, over in Auburn, and we're ahead by two points, I think, and, and we're not moving the ball at all. They've got a good defense, and we're struggling, and we finally move it down to field at the end of the game there's two or three minutes left in the game and we've got it in field goal position we're on the headset I think Auburn had called timeout and Jim McElwain and myself and Nick on the headset and somebody else said well let's kick a field goal and go ahead by one point Nick said no we're not going to do that he said let's, we're going to win this game here so we start talking about runs. This is Nick was a smart guy. He said, uh, Joe, what's that fullback pass we got? And it was that pass to Roy Upchurch. Oh, wow. And that that play that he, I mean, we had practiced the play. We had it. We knew it. That was the most appropriate time for that play that won that game. And that's just an example how Nick is in the game as a defensive coach and what he does to affect the outcomes of the games. So, but, but to get back to your other point, uh, our friendship has been solid for a long time. And 
I can't just one particular time, but uh, I, I, I'll tell you one story. Yeah, please, please, Coach. we got all the time in the world. Please, we love these stories. I was coaching at the Chicago Bears, and Nick was at Cleveland. And we were in training camp in Platteville, uh, Wisconsin, and Nick was with Belichick at the Cleveland Browns, and they come up to practice against us. And you've heard the stories about how Belichick worked his uh, eyes so hard. They'd come in at 6 o'clock in the morning and or 5 and get out at midnight. And we're over the Chicago Bears staff. We're going to practice against them. The next day, they got into Platteville and in their dorms, and they come over and... Nick and Belichick, and I can't remember who their offensive coach was, but they come over to meet with myself and Dave Ornstead and our staff to go through what we're going to practice. And we're in there, and we finished our staff meetings. So in our staff meeting, we're sitting around telling stories and getting ready to go. And Nick walks in with Belichick and those guys, and they looked like they had not had an a minute's rest in, in six months. And and Nick and, and looks at me and said, Joe, how much older are you am, am I than you are right now? And I, I said, Nick, I don't know, but you look to be about 100 years older than I am. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, now that was when we were coaching against each other in the NFL. Did Coach Saban, I mean, is there a funny side to Coach Saban as as you? Oh, yeah. yeah Nick's got a heck of a sense of humor. Yeah, he does. He he, he does. And he's very competitive. Nick likes, Nick likes to go out and, and if you go play cards against him, you watch out. He'll play, he and his uh, wife will play bridge. And if you play bridge against him and he's just learned how to bridge, he wants to beat you every time. Yeah, and Nick's competitive. He's got a, yeah. Nick has a very good sense of humor. Well, Coach, we we just want to say thank you again. I, I know it's uh, you're you're driving. We just want to. I mean, we are very appreciative of coming on. I mean, we appreciate the offensive line play, but we appreciate what you mean to the University of Alabama. We we always love these stories. We've uh, tried to pay tribute uh, in a very respectful way to Coach Saban, and, and we're going to do players next week. We're going to feature a lot of those, and I uh, appreciate all the recommendations. Uh, thank you again for being a part of our show and what you mean to the University of Alabama, Coach. Well, Ryan, thank you. And I want to say that thank you to guys like Mike Johnson and all the players I had, Barrett Jones Lejos, all those guys that I had the good pleasure to be around. And I'm sure that you had Jim McElwain on. All those guys who have been around and taken Nick's program and philosophy and been successful with it, they would say the same thing. So I appreciate you, uh, Ryan, and best of luck to you. Hey, thank you, and safe trip over to Tuscaloosa. I hope our paths will cross again soon. Thank you, Coach. Have a safe trip, sir. All right, man. All right. Wow. When you think about over 40 years of coaching on the offensive side of the football, many of those years, he spent 20 years in the National Football League. Uh, a lot of fun to be able to pick his brain, to be able to talk about an offensive coordinator, offensive line. I mean, he was all types of different places. And I tell you what, lo- what I love about it is, is you guys know how much I love to run the football. 
run it, run it, run it again. Now, I know football's changed, uh, but when you hear him describing these different formalities uh, there, always fun to be able to pick uh, those former coaches' brain. We're going to feature another coach tomorrow. We're done with coaches today. We're going to take phone calls. We want you to jump in. We'll go to Red and Biloxi, Marty in Arkansas, Tommy out in Romulus. We're going to get into a lot of – I'm sorry, Rex, Rex. No, Red, Rex. Is it Rex? Is it Red? I'm sorry. Pretty sure it's Rex. Okay, Rex. Okay. Well, we, we had a caller named Red for many, many years. He was the sheriff of it our program. Uh, well, he, he's unfortunately he's passed away now. So, so, uh, but, but Rex, we'll, we'll go to Rex coming up in Biloxi coming up in just a couple of minutes. We'll take your phone calls. Kalen DeBoer. Your best bet for big wins is just minutes away at Birmingham Racecourse Casino, where you can be a winner too. Off I-459, exit 31, Derby Parkway. Northport Power Equipment, if you're looking for chainsaw needs, if you're cleaning up those leaves or yard debris, you'll find the backpack blowers, the battery-operated tools, the Echo Outdoor Power Equipment, Cress Outdoor Power Equipment, the battery-operated tools by Husqvarna, and you'll also find great inventory on the zero-turn commercial and the residential mowers by both Skag and Husqvarna. Service department, do that end-of-the-season maintenance at Northport Power Equipment. It's two blocks east of the Northport Civic Center since 1996. Northport Power Equipment. TuscaloosaToyota.com, a huge part of our show. We are powered by those guys every single day. The service department, always great. The new inventory side, all those new Toyotas comes with that lifetime powertrain warranty. And right now, we have the most inventory that we've had in over two and a half years. Camrys, Corollas, RAV4s, Highlanders, 4Runners, Tundras, Tacomas, also the pre-owned inventory. Most of the pre-owned inventory comes with 39 one eight seven six eight hundred two three nine one eight seven six. That's eight hundred two three nine eighteen seventy six. The best breakdown of Alabama football in the state. The game with Ryan Fowler on your home for Alabama sports. Tide one hundred point nine and streaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app. We Alabama Crimson Tide football. Let's go down to Biloxi. Uh, I wonder if he's sitting in a casino, like uh, pulling the uh, the one arm bandit there. Let's go to Rex. Rex, good afternoon. Thank you again for being a part of our show. I hope all is well. Yeah, I think Ryan, he got my. Oh, I think my accent, my Cajun accent, throat, and this is Rich from Biloxi. Oh, it's Rich. How are you, Rich? <laughs> I'm doing good. Good, good. I'm Thank right. you for calling in. Thank you. It's good to hear your voice. I know who this is now. Well, yeah. Okay. I wanted to, uh, you know, I know a lot of people were really sad when, when coach uh, retired, but you know, I was probably one of the few that was glad for him and Miss Terry. Uh, they contributed so much to the program, the Tuscaloosa area, the SEC just in general and, and football, college football. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, have you heard anything about possibly, uh, the weekend of a day? They may be doing something for Coach Saban, like a parade, maybe that game that day, that morning before the game, and then something at the game itself. You know, I have not. um, I've not heard. I know when practice is going to start. I know when A Day is going to happen. I know that they're going to, you know, I know a little bit of the behind the scenes details of what they're trying to implement. I don't know. 
But I'll say this, and this is this is tomorrow's show. How should we pay tribute to Nick Saban? You know, Kirk McNair is brought up the point last week that he said name in the field after Nick Saban is not significant enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I I do think they're they're going to constantly, at least I hope so, in years to come. They'll they'll always be having uh, Nick Saban this carry day of maybe homecoming, the ball games, things like that. You know how they honor players and things like that, ex coaches, and and I'm certain they got that in line. But I just I just thought maybe for a day this year to generate a lot more enthusiasm, make sure the stadium's full. To have a parade that morning would be something nice. Well, you know, and, and maybe that would be a you know the kind of the, the official torch handing off, right? I mean, it'll be the first game, and I hope these ninety thousand Alabama fans will jam in there. But you know, when you think about Coach Nick Saban, I, I hope that we as a community in Tuscaloosa, and I don't have any doubt that we will. I'd like to see us create because we have all these different awards: the Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year Award. Right. When you've got the greatest football coach to ever walk the sidelines, why don't we come up with a Nick Saban award? We're yeah, 40 years right. from now. We're recognizing the top football coach, and, and we respect the Bryant Award that's out of Texas A&M in that community. We're in Tuscaloosa. Right. I'd love to see us create some kind of national award when you yeah, think about Nick right. Saban because all these other coaches, and, and no offense to you know Coach Paul Bear Bryant, but Nick Saban is the greatest to ever walk the sidelines. The award needs to be named after him. I used to campaign all the time. You know, well, well, they haven't given him this award. Why don't they just rename the award? I mean, (laughs) maybe I don't know if they could do something. I don't know if they'd want to share the the Fairbright Museum, but maybe some type of building on campus named after him. I'd love it. Yeah, Yeah. I'd love it. And 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 whether it's um, you know the academic side. I mean, Coach Saban always put a point of emphasis on graduation and. You know, when right. think about those rates. I mean, I think Georgia finished dead last in the SEC. Alabama finished right. second best in the SEC. So it's not just winning yeah. on the field. It's in the classroom, and that was always a point of emphasis from, from Coach Saban. Yeah, I think the Mal Moore Athletic, you know, building, you got that named after Mal Moore. So there need to be something in that general area, the museum, Mal Moore Athletic building, something like that. Uh, named after Coach I'd love to see it. And and somehow, you know, whatever role that, you know, we could play of just highlighting that and, and you think about Coach Nick Saban and the impact. And, uh, I mean, think about the University of Alabama, how much of a better shape it is now than, yeah. than what it was when Coach Saban arrived. I mean, we were just talking with Joe Pendry in 2007. We were a mess. Rich, we were a and mess. I wanted, to ask you, I wanted to ask you one other thing. How is Coach Stall, uh, Stallings doing? Coach is doing good. I need to I need to give him a call because I want to get him on the show uh, because there's a story that needs to be told, and it's about Coach Stallings and about Nick Saban. And I'm kicking yeah. myself every day, Rich. You know why? Why is that? Because I didn't ask it to Coach Saban out in L.A. It was on my yeah. mind, and I just didn't get the right. opportunity in media day. We have 55 minutes of interviewing all these players and assistant coaches and coordinators. I wanted to slip over to Coach Saban and ask a question because we don't realize the role that Coach Stallings played in convincing Coach Saban that you could win at the at the University of Alabama. Mal Moore did the recruiting, but uh-huh. the sales pitch came from Coach Stallings, and most people don't yeah. know that. Um, yeah, I would, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of people don't know Coach Stallings with the 
contributions he's made to that Ryan's house. Absolutely. The Ryan's school. Yeah, he's been, he's been amazing. What a great ambassador. We're, we're so blessed to have Coach Stallings a part of our program. Hey, Rich, thank you again. I hope you have a great rest of your day, sir. You too, buddy. Right, right back to you. We've got the Kalen DeBoer audio that we're going to dive into because he talks a little about his offensive philosophy. We'll do that. We'll take your phone calls. Marty in Arkansas coming up in just a couple of minutes. Aaron Torres in 30 minutes. National Fox Sports analyst right here. Abbreviated edition of the game, only about two and a half hours. We'll be with you until 4.30. We'll take phone calls right now. 205-342-9904. Tied 100.9, 12.30 WTBC. Your home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. The Seahawks are hiring Mike McDonald to be their new head coach coming over from the Baltimore Ravens where he was their defensive coordinator. McDonald is the youngest head coach now in the NFL at 36 years of age and gets a six-year deal to lead the Seahawks. The Washington Commanders now the only team in the NFL still with a head coaching vacancy. Veteran center Marcus Hall announced he's retiring after 13 seasons in the NBA and 20 seasons overall as a professional. For the guy still playing, Nikola Jokic won't play tonight. The Nuggets center going to miss their game against the Thunder because of lower back pain. 76ers center Joel Embiid will have an MRI today on his injured knee, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. And Timberwolves guard Anthony Edwards fined $40,000 for his critical comments of the officiating during their win Monday against the Thunder. ESPN reports the NBA and the NBA Players Association agreed on a deal to make the NBA draft a two-night affair. It'll take place June 26th and June 27th this summer. A huge part of the game is SEC Parlay Pick Day on Friday. It's made possible by Brian Harden Construction, a diverse business. Crane and equipment rentals up to 320-ton cranes available. The CNC machines, reverse engineering, laser cutting, specialists in modern construction. It's bhardenconst.com. Experience you can count on. Let's build something together. The website, very informative. It is bhardenconst.com. Brian Harden Construction Industrial. The running to win this Friday. $1,000. Just download the Bet You app right now in the App Store and sign up for an account for your shot at winning. You know, we talk about grilling so often. If you want to dominate the grill today or any day, go visit our friends at Mark's Mark in downtown Northport. I walk in there all the time. There's new things added, whether you're trying to amp up the spice cabinet or whether you're going in for a great ribeye, a salmon swirl, a chicken swirl, which is that's what they're home of since 1978. The seafood entrees, the great cheesecake, the great pies that are made here locally in Alabama, the Blue Spring Living Water. You'll find it at Mark's Mark in downtown Northport under that Roll Tide Bridge. Go see the friendly folks at Mark's Mark downtown Northport under that Roll Tide Bridge. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool, breezy afternoon. The sky mostly sunny. The high today, 53. Fair tonight with the low at 31. Tomorrow and Friday, lots of sunshine both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow at 59. The high Friday at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Had a 
chance to talk with Joe Pendry. Tomorrow we're going to have a chance to feature another coach, and I'm going to let that cat out of the bag a little bit later. But uh, we are working on a lot of different things. We've got K1 DeBoer audio. We've uh, played some of that as we started the show. Uh, we're going to continue taking Alabama football, and we're going to take your phone calls here uh, right here on the game. And uh, we'll go 205-342-9904, Let's go to Marty in Arkansas. Marty, good afternoon. You're in the game. Hey, Ryan. Good having Coach uh, Rich Jones on yesterday. Thank you. He's a good guy. I only live like 20 minutes from him. He's a great guy. He really is. But, Ron, one thing we need to make, maybe a Nick Saban museum and show everything he did throughout his whole time, throughout his whole coaching career, from Morgantown to the Browns and everything like that. And two things, too, Ron, that he did and Bear Bryant did. They made men, and they all were successful. You talk to Gene Stallings, he's a sophomore on that that uh, Junction boys took three buses out there, came back with only 32, but those 32 men was, all of them were successful. Everyone that played for, for saving, that stuck it out, are successful, are really rich in the NFL. And that's what, what great coaches do. Here we go. Well, I mean, you, you think about uh, the transition of, of what But, now... I mean, you look at the transition. You look at the and, – and I want you to have a lot of the boys that were on the 07 team on. They, they built the foundation. I just wonder how hard – you know, they could have – you know Saban probably had a harder practice than Shula. And, and, you know, some of them probably thought, what are we doing? Can we – you know, some of the seniors, what are we doing? Can we just quit? And a lot of them didn't quit. They built the found like that coach before. They built the foundation, and two years later, we won a national championship, and then it was took off from that. Even though we were six and two, and the bottom fell out. But my two, my two best memories of Nick Saban's first year was when we ran Clemson clear out of the, the uh, out of Atlanta in the first game, and when Candelisa rise came and old fat Phil had more security around him than anybody anybody else and we we run tennessee right out before half and the whole stadium their side goes home crying those were my two best memories of the 07 season well you you think about these memories and we're recalling a lot of those from the early part of the nick saban dynasty establishing what this was and you know i was looking back at daniel oh yeah and 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 the new coach in Saban down there, you know this new coach, like what you said, it's been there 17 years. These players don't want to, you know, the new players are the players that are coming in now. They know what's been built there. They don't want it to slip back. They want to keep it going. And so does this new coach. I mean, if if, if grass eating more on down at LSU can win a national championship, this guy can win a national championship with what Saban built in 17 years. There we go. Well, I mean, Kalen DeBoer is a much better coach than Les Miles. It's not, I don't think it's even comparable. Well, I don't call him that. He's just a grassy. But, like, you know what? God, I hope to, you know, good 
uh, gel baiters get thrown in the in the clink. You know, the ones that play on Sunday and go pick up trash on Sunday, on Monday. You know which ones I'm talking about. Which ones, Marty? Please name. say the word. No, Tennessee. They they play in they play on Saturday and they go pick up trash on Sun on Monday in the orange suits. They're nothing but a bunch of criminals. Gotcha. And you know what? Saban had to build something because I mean, you look at what it was before. Fat Bill and the commissioner tried to bury Alabama and put us on the death penalty. I mean, he had to come through that too, and look what he did. And look what he built. That's what makes me so mad about the. I'm getting upset, Ryan. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get off the show. No, you're fine. <laughs> I mean, get, you you getting fired up because I just hate that school so much, and that that's all. Well, and but I, I mean, just hope I mean, they get banned. Yeah, but I mean, do you really have any faith that the NCAA is going to do something right? No, they get off. They they the only school they ever wanted to hammer for some reason was Alabama. And so did the NAACP, or whatever they call that, when they said Bear didn't recruit no blacks. And he pulled out a whole desk full of them and said, I just can't get them in school because of, because of someone that was governor of the dumb state. And yeah. that's, that. you know, they've tried to bury Alabama ever since we won the net championship in 25. And we're the only one come across the country in a train and everybody lined up on us. We're the only school to have two six, two coaches win six national championships. We're the only school to put the football on the in the SEC in the South, you know. And Saban took it nationally. Bear, Bear, Bear put it on the map in the South, but Saban took it nationally. You cannot go anywhere in this in this Arkansas, Missouri, anywhere, and not see someone wearing an Alabama shirt. You down there in Ar- down there in Alabama, you don't see nobody wearing any Arkansas shirts. But you see a bunch of Alabama around here. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's the difference right there. All right, Brian. It's pretty awesome. You got a lot of- no, it's it's super super awesome. I mean, you're making me go back to this offensive line. You're making me go back to the early part of the Nick Saban dynasty. Coach Pendry talked about Roy Upchurch and how that was implemented. That's, hey, I mean, that new coach and, too. You know, you look at you look at him. He had a one thousand yard rusher, and he brought in a good offense. We may we may we may run two hundred yards and pass the three hundred yards. So I mean, you know, we just got to wait it out. Wait till spring. And see what happens. And then wait till the first game. Fair enough. Thanks, Marty. I don't know if we'll find out a lot. Hey, Ryan, one thing, if he lets you all come around, you don't have to stick your stick out there in the middle of the field to mic out anywhere or, or rely on your dot, on your shake machine guy, Jax, <laughs> or, Jack, or whatever it's oh, called. Oh, my milkshake guy. guy. My milkshake. Yeah, well, and for those who don't listen, I always tell people the milkshake guy at Jack's is my number one source. He gives me a lot of information. I mean, it's amazing when you're making someone's milkshake over there right across the practice field. It's amazing how much the information that you can get. You know, you got yeah, the quarterback now, going in, getting open, milkshake. Has, oh, yeah, I still got sources. I mean, I still got some sources out there, Marty, even though we've changed. And I've lost a few right, because some of them are no longer a part of the athletic department. But that's okay. I, I got a few more. And I'm, I may you have to. Enough. I may have to hire you more. Have to just get, you just have to. Oh, another thing too, Tommy Romney. Hey, the softball game starts at eleven. You can go watch three innings of that. Come over, watch the first half of the 
football game. Yeah, but you're assuming that's go- not going to be a sellout crowd. This is this may not be your typical A day. I mean, I remember in 2007 uh, they locked get, the it, gates. Tommy got enough friends that someone will save him a seat. Then he can leave and go over at four and watch two innings of the baseball game. Because that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I've already made my reservations for Friday night and Saturday night. Cost yeah. me a little bit, but get so many people coming. You get online, go two days to fill it up fast. Yeah, I got you. Marty, thank you, man. One right. time. Hey, Ryan, you have a good day. Thanks for letting me yak on this thing for You're a little good. while. You're good. You sound great. Thank you, man. Marty in Arkansas. We'll come back. We're going to take other calls coming up in a couple of minutes. Aaron Torres in 15 minutes. T-Town Tide, 100.9, 1230. WTBC, your home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Alabama real-time update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. State and local police are asking for help locating a 16-year-old missing in Lamar County Wednesday. According to an emergency missing child alert issued by the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency Wednesday morning, the Vernon Police Department is asking for help to find Derek Anthony Cohen Jr. Cohen is 16 and was last seen at 11.30 p.m. Tuesday, but has been missing since. Elected officials in Tuscaloosa are weighing whether to revoke the business license of a hookah lounge where a security guard beat and fatally shot a 28-year-old man last weekend. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice daily email newsletters. Alabama Credit Union. Feel good about your money. AlabamaCU.com. The mobile app makes banking so much more convenient. All the mobile deposits many times. You don't even have to go into the bank to manage your money. Whether we're talking about checking, savings, mortgage, home equity loan, financing a vehicle. And remember, Roll Tide, show your pride with the official credit card of the University of Alabama Alumni Association. Or shop at over 2,000 stores nationwide. Use the store locator to find the store closest to you. All pets are unique. Your pets results can and will vary. Message and data rates may apply. Studies available upon request. Rumsey Environmental, serving the sound of my voice with waste removal services, portable toilet services, construction debris removal containers customized to fit your job site. Maybe it's remodeling. Maybe it's the storage containers. We did this about a year ago, moved all of our furniture into a storage container, brought out the construction debris removal containers. They customized to fit your job site. When you talk about when you have to know it's being done right, that's the time to call Rumsey Environmental, 205-248-0002, 205-248-0002. Rumsey Environmental, a one-stop shop serving West Alabama for all of your waste removal needs. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool, breezy afternoon. The sky mostly sunny. The high today, 53. Fair tonight with a low at 31. Tomorrow and Friday, lots of sunshine both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow at 59, the high Friday at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. When I wake up, well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I hit a bus, 
All right, Aaron Zora is going to be a part of our show at Smith Center. Urgent Care Family Medicine, no appointment necessary. The super doctors who live and work in our area, Med Center, Urgent Care, Family Medicine, MedCenterUrgentCare.com. The super doctors who live and work in our area, Tuscaloosa, Northport, North River, uh, right off Rice Mine Road. Also, Fayette, Demopolis, Hoover, Alabama, Med Center, Urgent Care, Family Medicine. We're going to get you back to 100%. Uh, on a Thursday, we're t- excuse me, on a Wednesday, we're taking phone calls. Tomorrow, we're going to do a little special show, and it's going to be four hours. We're going to feature some other legends that can help us remember or not remember, pay tribute to Coach Saban and what he meant to the University of Alabama. Let's go to Tommy and Rami. Does Tommy, good afternoon. You're in the game. Hey, Ron. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I hope you're well. I'm just sitting here thinking about the month of January. We started in L.A. We were broadcasting live on Radio Row. Tommy, we were the only station there. We covered the Rose Bowl. We watch Alabama lose. We come back. We take a couple of weeks of reaction. We take people calling in, sharing their thoughts on what went wrong. How do we look at this season? Was it a failure? Was it a success? And then Nick Saban retires, and we've it feels like a. I mean, I've finally come up for air in the last couple of days. Well, as the last day of January, been a busy month. Been a good month. Been an exciting month. I don't know how you're going to label it. I mean, it's been for off season. First month of off season been pretty wild. You can't top that, and you probably won't top top again. You know. You never, it's not very often you're going to see a great coach retire, and we've been fortunate enough to see two retire in my lifetime and win a sixth national championship at Alabama. But for Nick Saban, they got to expand that Bryant Conference Center or, or do something. got to be a saving section to the museum. I'm talking about a building just for saving the sixth national championship. And two... When Tuscaloosa get ready to build a new high school, how we grown, the high school should be named after Saving High or something, after him and Miss Terry. There should be a park named after her or our elementary school. And the field, naming him, putting Saving Field is all right, and putting his name on the stadium, you'll be all right. But this see, I still think there's other ways that we can honor uh, him. Well, yeah, I mean... Well, you name a high school after them when we build a new high school. Tuscaloosa growing. I mean, you know, don't wait till the person's gone. And I'm going to be up front, all right? I'm going to start a fire for all. Sam Patterson name should be on more Coliseum. And there should be a statue of her. She won six national championships. Well, people say, well, that's not the same in football. Yeah. Well, it's not the same. Well, okay, whatever. I mean, you you think it is? Well, she's a great coach. She's absolutely a great coach. And she's done a lot of good for Tuscaloosa in the state of Alabama. So you think Coleman Coliseum needs to be named after Sarah Patterson? Well, her name up to be up there, Coleman Patterson. Why not? That way she won her six national championship. Why not? I mean... I mean, if you're going to be fair, I mean, Title Nine. I mean, she won six national championships. She was in the top five or the top three every year. It's amazing her run. 
But it's not about her. I, I know she don't want it, but you know, if you're going on the, people, I mean, no doubt. I mean, she deserves recognition um, for what she's well, been able to accomplish. I mean, but is it the plaza named after Sarah Patterson? Is it that the championship yes. plata plaza? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and just you know, there's a lot of great sports history happening, and we should remember it, honor it, put it in the museum. It's a great drawing card on Saturday in the fall, going to the Bright Museum. You have the Nick Saban. Museum combined of the saving right saving conference whatever I mean there's a lot of things we can do to honor Coach Saving and Miss Terry and uh, you know let's show the good thing about Alabama athletics I mean I mean it's a drawing card to Tuscaloosa it'll be a great tourist night I mean it just we have so much to offer, and we're not scratching the surface, in my opinion. I mean, it just, you know, it's just really something to behold. People are watching Tuscaloosa. People always make jokes that Tuscaloosa is Tuscaloosa. I'm like, name another school that's had three coaches that won three, I mean, six national championships. I mean, you know, put your thinking cap on, boys and girls in radio land. I mean, you know, it's an awesome thing to see this. I mean, you know, it's really what helped the university, what helped Tuscaloosa. And it's well, I think, I think we, we come up with something to no doubt honor Coach Saban, you know, whether it's changing part of the stadium to represent him or whatever whatever method. I've often said the city needs to rename 10th Avenue. As I long as the yeah. grandparents of 10, we wouldn't be upset. You'd be taking a number off of it, not, you know, some name that uh, created, you know, honor to somebody. And, uh, yeah. <coughs> well, it'd be somebody positive. I mean, just like Coach Stalin and the Stalin system. Well, and Coach Stallings has a road named after him. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, yeah. Two of them, to be exact. There's Stallings Drive, which is right there off of uh, University Boulevard, and then also uh, Stallings uh, right there at the Rice School. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we got plenty of room. I mean, let's exhibit our greatness in football and isolate. It's just like, it's more about not winning sports. It's about winning people, making great citizens. Coach Bryant done that. Coach Stalin done that. Coach Saban done that. Coach Patterson <coughs> done that. <coughs> it's just something to showcase. And the graduating rate of these coaches and Sam Patterson and Nick Saban, I mean, it's something, you know, Alabama always heard this, and, you know, it really pisses me off. Well, Bobby just a football factory. No. We are a winner factory. We produce winners in life. And we have done that with Coach Bryant. Oh, I coach and Coach Patterson. I mean, and Coach Murphy. Yeah, I mean, it just, the list goes on. I just hope there's enough room to share. And I'm like, yeah, I can remember streets. Name out the people better off of those 10th Avenue, the 12th Street. No, name something 
after somebody worthwhile. I mean, that been a positive reinforcement. Gotcha. So, Tommy, thank you, man. I got to go to Aaron Torres. I always right. enjoy our chats, man. I hope you have a great day. And we'll go back to phone calls coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, we're going to be abbreviated show coming up today. I do remind you about the wharf. If you're looking for a new pair of boots, Justin, Tony Lama, Red Wing, Georgia, Double H, Timberline, Laredo, and many more. Wrangler, Levi, Lee, Carhartt Clothing, Under Armour Clothing. You'll find it at the wharf. It's the work in Western headquarters for the entire family since 1976. They're open until 6 p.m. It is our good friends at the wharf, the work in Western headquarters for the entire family. We had Joe Pendry on a couple of minutes ago. We're going to Aaron. We are going to Aaron Torres next. T-Town Tide 100.9, 1230 WTBC. Your home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join the Martin Houston Show powered by Max Sports. The Sam Alabama Sports, your show, your team. On tomorrow, we'll be discussing the... Alabama versus Georgia game. Was Alabama able to get a big quad one win on the road? We have a little true-false edition of the show. We'll also look at roster management slash recruiting. We'll have those conversations and more, and we invite you to get in on the conversation at 205-342-9904. You can also follow us on Facebook at Martin Houston 35 fan page. Those conversations and a whole lot more right here on your home for Alabama Sports Tide 100.9. Catch the Martin Houston Show from 6 to 7 weekday mornings on Tide 100.9. Don Wallace CPA, 527 Main Avenue in downtown Northport. Small business and personal income taxes, payroll, sales tax needs. They can also help you with nonprofit or church accounting or auditing in business since 1999. They work for you not the IRS. When you take on taxes, you got to have someone on your side. It's Don Wattis CPA, 205-345-5595, 205-345-5595. Don Wattis CPA, the official accountant of the game. Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. Eat Southern, be Southern. All the biscuit sandwiches, the great Southern cuisine like the bacon wrap, meatloaf, the fish and taters, all the great sandwiches like the Yardbird, the great salads, the daily lunch and dinner specials Monday through Saturday at Southern Owl House. We've also opened up an additional part of Southern Owl House and expanded with our catering needs there to fulfill what you're looking for. 205-248-7500. Ask for Taylor. 205-248-7500. Catering from a small party to a large corporate event. Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. The best sports talk show in all of Alabama. The game with Ryan Fowler on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
game here in Tuscaloosa. We're going to Fox Sports. I'm reading all about this uh, different case about the NCAA, and now they're responding. I mean, listen, I'm going to bring up a glass of half-and-half tea. I'm going to pull up a chair. I don't eat popcorn, but I do love popcorn. I don't know if that makes any sense. But I'm going to pull up a chair, and I'm going to watch this yelling match between the chancellor and the NCAA. Have you ever walked into a courtroom when you got a ticket, a speeding ticket, and said, Judge, you don't know what the blank you're doing? Have you ever done that? Has anybody ever done that? You walk into a courtroom, and I understand the NCAA is a kangaroo court, but that's really what the NCAA, excuse me, that's what the University of Tennessee has done, and we'll see. Uh, We'll see if it happens. Let's go to Aaron Torres, Fox Sports National Analyst. Aaron Torres, how are you, man? Welcome into the game in Tuscaloosa. Ryan Fowler, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Uh, busy day, busy day. And, you know, I was just thinking about this month, okay? We started hanging out yeah. with Aaron Torres out in L.A. Hey, what a month, huh? So I did my show this morning, and I was like, it's the final day of January. It's like January 1st feels like it was a thousand years ago. Slight hyperbole, but it feels like it was ten years ago, It right? does. It does. I mean, you and I were in the press box right there. We were on Radio Row, and we were covering the Rose Bowl, and then we get Nick Saban retired, and then Kalen DeBoer, and it just, wow. Uh, I can't think of another 30-day period that rivals this one. No, and, and, you know, I think, one, there's all the other ancillary stuff, but two, you know, we had so many questions about, how about this, just so many questions about Alabama basketball after an up-and-down out-of-conference schedule and then you just realize they played a bunch of awesome teams, Purdue, you know, we've talked about it, but Arizona in the state of Arizona at Creighton. And now as we speak here right now, they are atop the SEC standings alone. Uh, and, you know, they're trending towards potentially uh, another SEC regular season title. So, I mean, where were we at even with Alabama basketball on uh, December 31st into January 1st? Certainly a lot different than it is now. But it has been uh, a wild 30 days. Let me ask you this. I mean, I know it's a little different for Tuscaloosa because not only is it football central, but also you're going through the new coaching search. But it does feel like even the people that love college football, it's like especially if your basketball team's pretty good, it does feel like now's the time where it's like, okay, we we do start to focus on basketball a little bit. uh, And, um, you know, and we always have kind of our thumb on football. But, but basketball, it feels like it's starting to get some traction. This feels like the first week where there's not a lot of football stuff to talk about. Well, we got the Senior Bowl there, but then we're also reestablishing this staff, and we're trying to learn. Yeah. Like, this entire week, we're also devoting to Nick Saban and paying a tribute. We're featuring all these that, yeah. coaching colleagues. And tomorrow, we'll, we'll speak to someone that's in the NFL that knows Coach Saban that worked with him. Bill Belichick? Well, Bill's going to come. Yeah, he's going to come down and just sit in the studio. uh, Okay, and just tell us all about uh, Nick Saban stories. Which Joe Pendry just connect us, connected us. Will Bill Belichick, Nick Saban of the Cleveland Browns, and it was kind of a funny little story. So we we just been featuring these these older school coaches, and uh, it's just kind of fun to pick their brain for a few minutes. Sure, I would. uh, Yeah, I have a few people, but they're still working right now. Like, and I'm not saying it sarcastically, like. You know, I know a lot of people that are on other staffs that, you know, I don't know that the, um, you know, the, the head coach at XYZ uh, SEC school would love love their staff going out to Tuscaloosa Radio and talking about another program. So because two or three guys popped in the top, top, top of my head, and I'm sure you have 
a wealth of resources well beyond mine of people that you would love to get, but it's kind of still that weird time where other, you know, there's so many people in the business that know Nick Saban, but yeah, no, he's an incredible guy. I hope he's enjoying retirement. I'm going to miss him. Uh, but as we discussed last week, it is, it is fun to have something kind of new and fresh to talk about at Alabama. Well, and it's all about coaches. And also, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out if, you know, we're going to pack this stadium for Kalen DeBoer in the spring game. Cause I mean, Torres, we're only 73 days away from Alabama's A-Day. We're 30 days away, a little over 30 days away from Alabama's first practice. So, you know, I know basketball is, is, and we're going to ask you some basketball, but when you look at football, I mean, it's, it's almost like you blink and then you turn around and next year will be even crazier because we'll play the championship game even later than what it was. True. Well, hopefully you're not going through a coaching chase next year. <laughs> hey, hopefully. Hopefully, we hopefully we don't have a Mike Price situation. Yeah, you know, alert all of the uh, places that a, a new head coach can get in trouble. Coach DeBoer doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you're not going through a coaching change and a staff change and all that. But, no, it, you know, it's crazy. And, and I know you and I have talked about this probably on our show. I, I still I, – I know I say this pretty much every interview that I do. I don't think people have fully kind of wrapped their heads around how different everything in college football. When we kick it off, August 31st is the first Saturday. When we kick it off, I just don't think people realize how different this sport is going to be. It's going to start different. The regular season is going to be different. The postseason is going to be different. It's a totally different world. Uh, It'll be fun, but it's just going to be so, so, so different. Torres, I want to get your reaction, okay? We know the NCAA really doesn't have any teeth, but are you watching yep. this with Tennessee? Does it does it create any, any interest with you? Do you think anything will come of it? Um, your thoughts on this Tennessee case that's opened up in the last 24 to 36 hours? Well, I'll be honest, Ryan, and, you know, I'm sure you, you battle with this daily, is, you know, I don't like to talk about topics and things where I think there's only one perspective on it. Like, like you know, Kalen DeBoer being hired, you know, I might like it, John Smith might not like it, and we can go back and forth on what's going to work, what's not. I wasn't even going to talk about the Tennessee thing because I think everybody is in agreement. This is just stupid, and it's only stupid because you're trying to punish a school for breaking rules that didn't exist. I used the example on my podcast this morning. I encourage people to check it out. Um is that uh, imagine living in a state where there was no speed limit and they catch you going 90 on, on a camera and a year later they institute a speed limit and then a year after that they try to give you a ticket for going 90. It's like, you'd be like, what are you even talking about? And that's essentially what happened with Tennessee. By the way, that's essentially what happened a few weeks ago with Florida State. You know, Florida has a notice of allegations that they're in the middle of. And so what I thought was equally as interesting is basically um, – you know, the state of Virginia and the state of Tennessee basically coming right back at the NCAA this morning. And, and I'm not a lawyer. They're smarter people to to ask about what what all of that court, you know, papers and mumbo jumbo meant. But I just bring it up because to me, we're just in the era now of you, the NCAA tries to come down too hard on pretty much anything. Lawyers are going to get in because it's a case you can't lose. It's a case you can't lose. Public perception is great. You know, the pay, I'm sure, is very great. I don't think, you know, an SEC uh, an SEC office is going to skimp on, uh, you know, on, on making sure the lawyers get taken care of. 
So I just, I don't really see a scenario where any, where, where there's pretty much anything that is really enforceable from the NCA going forward. But I think, Ryan, really quick, I know I'm going long. You're fine. I, I think, and, and this is stuff that's all been discussed, but I think we're going to get to a place where major college football runs itself, maybe major college basketball. And I do think, you know, everyone says it's time to break off from the NCAA. I think the NCAA will be there to run the sports, the Olympic sports, the softballs, the tennises, because, you know, a Greg Sankey, a, a, a Greg Byrne, you know, the, the, the real power players in college sports, the, everyone knows the, the money comes in from football and that's where the focus has to be. And so I, I don't, I, I think we're not too far. And this is stuff that everyone's talked about, but from the NCAA not being an enforcement branch at all, they're basically going to be in charge of running events and putting on tournaments. Um, and maybe, by the way, you know, running and, and setting rule books and guidelines for, for lower level sports. But this is obviously ridiculous. I'm sure even most Alabama fans, even though they're enjoying uh, the big, you know, big orange getting a little, you know, a, a, a slap on the wrist. I think we all understand this is just ridiculous. It is, but the agree? NCAA, well, yeah. okay, here, here's the thing that I see a little bit different, okay? When I see Tennessee's case, have you ever got stopped by the police, uh, like for speeding or whatever? I mean, running a stop sign or whatever. I mean, Torres, I, I don't expect you to answer that correctly, but let's just pretend that you were speeding in LA and you get pulled over. Okay. You're on the side of the road. When you're pulling away from the police department, how do you pull off of the side of the road? How do you pull out? And you say, I'm going to get back on the road. I mean, you're using your blinker. You're going the proper speed. Yeah. Tennessee just said, screw you. We know that we're under investigation for 18 level one major violations, and we just doubled down. They literally burned sure. That's a great the tires uh, of, of on the side of the road getting your speeding ticket. You, you're literally taking your ticket, and you're burning you know, your, your, your set of good years on the back uh, right in front of the police officer. And that's – That is a good point. You made them mad, and we're already seeing that. And whether they have power or not uh, – I mean, we could ask Jeremy Pruitt if they have power. I mean, he's got a six-year show cause. Uh, so they have some power. Anyway. I mean, they do. They do. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, if if Kalen DeBoer just said Jeremy Pruitt's my defensive coordinator, I, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, could they do anything? I mean, um, you know, if, if they said – I I, I mean – I don't know. You know, I, I, it, 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 there there is a degree of truth to that from the perspective that yes, you still have to comply, and yes, they can still punish, and yes, this and that. But you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like I'll just give you a hypothetical. Like, let's say this Michigan case. You know, there's some sort of you know, there there will probably be a show cause for Jim Harbaugh because it'll be easy to do now. We know he's going to the NFL. But let's say Jim Harbaugh. Let, let's say and. Two years, Jim Harbaugh just doesn't like the NFL anymore. Wants to come back to college football, even with a show cause. I mean, I I don't know if if Michigan goes two and ten and two and ten, and Jim Harbaugh wants to come back. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just rambling. I'm just making stuff up. So I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. No, but I mean, so you don't know. I mean, you, 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 the problem is that there's so much chaos right now. I mean, even the NCAA's response to the NCAA investigation is. It's the Wild Wild West. I mean, who created the yeah. Wild Wild West? You guys did. And now you're trying sure. to govern it. Well, 
and that's where I think the, the there's legitimate frustration for Tennessee fans of like there were no rules, and and I think that that's where the frustration from a lot of people is is that there were no rules, and you know you can you can set rules going forward, um, but you also can't punish people for rules that weren't in place, and I think that's where the frustration comes in is. We can like it, we cannot like it, but to your point, and, and I talked about this on my show this morning, is basically, you know, July 1st, 2021 came. That was the day that the first state allowed NIL and then the floodgates opened, and the NCAA really fought that until about June, June 28th, 29th of 2021, basically saying, no, 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 you can't do that, and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened. And so there has been, for the last three or so years, this gray area of, are there rules? Are there not rules? By the way, Ryan, I'll say this too, which which I think is interesting, and I think Alabama probably was part of this. Is I think the first probably eighteen months or so, probably until about you know the start of really you know what middle of twenty twenty two into twenty twenty three, I think there were a lot of schools that were hesitant to do too much because they were afraid that eventually this day would come. Right? I mean, um, uh, you know whether it was. I mean, you think about the schools that were aggressive early. Um, Miami was publicly aggressive early. Tennessee was. Texas A&M, we think, was. But then there were those other ones that that, that kind of were a little hesitant to get too deep into this. Alabama, I think, was one. I know Kentucky was one because there was some frustration from their fan base. So, But this was why a lot of schools were hesitant to go too fast, too early, to your point, you know, with the speed limit stuff or, you know, when you're in front of a cop and you just got pulled over, you don't speed away too fast. I do think there were a lot of schools that were hesitant thinking that this day might come. Now this day is here. But again, you also have these, these, these states and these schools fighting back. It'll be an interesting process to watch. Well, and, and yesterday, I'm sorry, Monday, we featured Coach Pete Jenkins. Uh, Coach is 85 years of age. He's been in the game wow. for 50-something years. He's one of Nick Saban's, you know, Ross Dellinger wrote a big article about how the relationship of Coach Nick Saban. And he he told us that he had spoke with Coach. And he said, uh, Coach is going to try to get involved with trying to help college football. He said he, he yeah. really wants to help fix some of the issues that are broken. But then my follow-up to that is I was like, okay, Coach, that's great. What can he do? I don't. I mean, like if if I gave Aaron Torres complete power, what could you really do? No, it's true, and I think that the, that's the other thing too. Is I think you know everybody has this this magic notion in in their heads of, and I've thought a lot about this as well. Is well, one day college football is going to break off from everybody else. There's going to be rules. There's going to be guidelines. You know whatever it is, 24, 36, 50 schools are going to be doing their own thing relative to everybody else, and they're going to have their own set of rules. Okay, that's true. And, oh, by the way, you know, maybe that includes salary for players. Yes, you know, college football players will be salaried employees of the university. What I don't think anyone has taken any time to account for is that just because we have that, it doesn't mean, you know, NIL is still, um, you know, name, image, likeness, right? And so – even if, you know, every, you know, every college football freshman gets the same salary, almost like an NFL rookie or whatever. At the end of the day, there's still NIL opportunities. So let's say every college football freshman gets $50,000 a year. Let's just say that hypothetically. Um, 
at the same time, it doesn't. It isn't going to stop Texas A&M or Texas or Florida State or whoever, fill in the blank, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, from saying, okay, well, you know, the base salary is this, but our NIL package is that. So I'm just trying to say is, like, I think everyone has this idea that we're in this weird middle ground and it's all going to get solved. But I think even as we evolve, there's always going to be issues to pop up. And um, it's just, it, it, you know, and this is stuff you and I talked about three, four years ago, Ryan, is – Nobody's against players getting paid, but we knew right away it wasn't just going to be for their name, image, likeness. There was going to be pay-for-play elements, and then once you let the hay out of the barn or the horse out of the barn, however you say it, there's no getting it back in. You said it three or four years ago, Torres, and we laughed at you, okay? Because You You didn't laugh at me. No, we didn't laugh at you, but we were like, okay, this really can't happen. You said this. (laughs) Bryce Young was still the quarterback at Alabama. You said if Bryce Young put his name in the portal, what would he get? And in reality, that's happening. You said, I mean, it was a a hypothetical question, but you said it. You said, what if Bryce Young put his name in the portal? Torres, that's happening right here. (laughs) It is happening. I mean, we're literally, I mean, you've got a bidding war for these players. It's it's strange. And the other thing is, whenever you hear, you know, whenever you hear a coach Late late October, early November, mid November, really emphasizing NIL. Like Mark Stoops does this every single year. Oh, you know, guys, you want to compete? We really got to step up. It's not really because he wants to go sign a bunch of dudes out of the portal. It's that he wants to make sure that he has kind of a a, a slush fund, if you will, uh, so that his players don't even have the opportunity or interest to leave basically hey let's make sure we have this money so the guys that we want to keep aren't even entering the portal but no man all this stuff has happened you know and and it's funny because i um you know you and i are are, and and your audience too i'm not saying you and i have some secret access to some secret information that nobody else does but it was funny in those pre-nil years where people would be like just pay the players you have to pay the players and then it was like, well, NIL, just let them, let them get endorsements. And it's like only – and I remember just telling people, I go, do you understand how quickly it's going to be pay for play? It's like you, you don't think these boosters are going to find a way. There's always – you know, there's talent acquisition is not a new thing, whether it's professional, whether it's college, whether it's pre-NIL, whether it's post-NIL. Everybody always wants the best players. And so I just remember having these conversations, and it's like – and people were like, I mean, come on, what what is – it? What are they really going to make? And I'm like, you just wait and see. You just wait and see. Now, by the way, Ryan, we're, we're only three or four years into this thing. We already have reports of a lot of guys basically saying, hey, you know, rather than going pro, I could be a third, fourth, fifth round pick. I could make more money as a college player. I think a lot of these quarterbacks that are in their fourth, fifth year uh, that would have been third, fourth, fifth round picks are making more as a college quarterback. So it's a new world. I know I'm going a lot of different directions, but hopefully we're, we're doing a good job of painting a picture of what, you know, your favorite coach, my favorite coach, our favorite coaches kind of deal with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and I sat beside a coach um, in the Texas game, and he, he was from the SEC. He's kind of uh, does some things, and I'm not going to say who he is, but he told me, he said, you know, this is what's happening in the world of NIL. He said, you're getting a player a certain amount of money. He's going out and scoring a touchdown. The next morning, he's in the coach's office saying, you know what? I think I need another 40000 for the touchdown that I scored yesterday. He said, that's what happened. Well, that, that's no longer Aaron Torres and Fowler talking on the radio. This is truly happening behind the scenes. So it's you're having to re-recruit your roster daily. 
Well, that's the part, you know, I, I think that's the part that the uninformed people don't really fully understand. I keep hearing, and even people that care about college football but maybe aren't as plugged in as you and I, I keep, I, I hear people say, well, you know, it's different because there's a national signing day in December, and then there's there's two portal cycles, and these guys never get to rest and relax with their families. And I'm like, that's correct. But I think if you ask most coaches, the portal stuff isn't the problem. Um, you know, the, 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 the high school recruiting isn't the problem. I think the biggest change is re-recruiting your roster. Every single, you know, and, and all these coaches have talked about it publicly. I mean, this is why you really don't hire a head coach. There's so few coaches that folk, that, that are, are primary play callers or whatever, right? I mean, even Ryan Day. I think Ryan Day was considered one of the elite offensive minds in the sport had to hire an offensive coordinator this offseason. Now, we can, we can joke about the fact that it was Bill O'Brien, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I bring it up because really what a head coach's job now is, is being a sounding board and a therapist and a this and a that. And, you know, you and I would never make fun of therapy or mental health or anything, but it's about massaging egos. It's about um, – you know, uh, making sure players are, are happy, are comfortable. If they're not playing, they understand why they're not playing, dealing with parents, dealing with agents. And it, it that is what I think, and I'm not saying I even have as much access or information as a lot of people in our business do, but from the people that I talk to, I think people would be shocked at how much time your favorite head coach has making seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars a year is on the phone with parents, is on the phone with an agent, has a player in his office that's mad, you know, because he's not playing. It's like, you know, you, you think they're spending time uh, putting together a game plan to beat Kirby Smart's defense? Think again, they're putting together a, 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 a couch session to make sure the kid is ha- – it's just – it's a crazy world, man. It's just a crazy world. I, I know I'm going a lot of different No, 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 Torres, Torres, it, it's val- – everything that you've said has been a valid point. I think we're all just having a hard time wrapping our head around it. It 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 yeah. just it it we're going to mail. I mean, listen, like the NCA just released the statement a couple of minutes ago. It said while the NCA generally does not comment on specific infraction uh. cases, it's important to remember the NCA member schools and conferences not only make the rules but routinely call for greater enforcement of those rules. So, I mean, they're they're basically responding to Tennessee, which they never do publicly, and they've done it. So it just bring me a bag of popcorn, Torres. I got to ask well, you one question before we get out of here too. Can, can you give me an update on what's happening in Arkansas around this? Because there just seems to be a lot of smoke over there. Is, is there something you could tell us, or would you prefer just to wait and kind of wait all this out? Because just it seems like something With strange. Basketball? Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm speaking out of school. I mean, the team is struggling this year. Um, they're basically, you know, the SEC really has no real bad teams this year. And keep in mind, Arkansas has made the Sweet 16 three straight years, two, two elite eights. Um, but the team is struggling. You know, a player left the team this this weekend. And it was interesting because if you watch the game, Jay Billis, basically, Jay Billis, who's Mr. Pro player, you know, Mr. You know, Pro whatever, always supports the players, kind of called out the player and was like, well, you know, I mean, he's an A wall, and there's nothing the coaches can do. So you have that element of it. 
Then you have, you know, listen, there are a lot of people in that Arkansas market that believe that their head coach, Eric Musselman, is, is looking for other opportunities. You know, you hear stuff. I don't know what's true and what's not. Um, but what I would say is is that you have guys, you know, like our buddy John Neighbors. I went on his podcast the other day, and John Neighbors literally asked me point blank. He's like, if Coach Musk leaves, like, who do you think would be um, – who do you think would be a good candidate? This and that. So it's not as though, um, like it's 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 not as though like it's just whispers. It's more than whispers, and guys in that market are talking about it. So I'm not sold. I, I think. Listen, the one thing I will say, and you know this, Ryan, is whispers get a lot louder when teams are struggling, sure. and they're struggling about as much as they have uh, since Coach Muss has gotten there. So listen. Do I think there are some really good jobs that are going to open up this offseason? Yes. Do I think he'd be a candidate? Yes. Do I think he'd listen? Yes. Um, do I think he's 100% gone in the program? No. I just, like, that was a team that made the Sweet 16 last year, and, again, they made the Elite Eight two years ago. I think two years ago they finished second in the SEC regular season. So it's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I'm missing something because you're, like, the third person that's asked me, hey, what do I need to know about what's going on down there? And I'm like – is there something I'm missing? Like, is there something I don't know? But, well, there just seems um, to be a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke. And I know you identified this last week of Arkansas. You talked about, and, and now it just seems to be there's something growing over there. I, I mean, we're focused on, you know, Alabama, and Alabama plays Georgia tonight. And we're going to hand off a little bit early. It's an early game, 530 Central, 630 over in the Eastern time zone. We're going to hand off coming up here in about 40 minutes. Hey, Torres, I appreciate you. I'm going to invite people to connect with you at Aaron underscore Torres, Torres on Bama. You can find the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, which is the top one of the top sports podcasts in the entire country. You can find him on Fox Sports uh, each and every Saturday evening and a lot of other responsibilities. Connect with everything he's involved in at Aaron underscore Torres. Torres, I appreciate you, man. Have a great rest of your day. Ryan, my man, you have a great day. We will talk soon, okay? Thank you, Torres. Appreciate you. We'll continue. We're taking phone calls for the last 30 minutes. we got some audio that we want. That's simple human sense. So contact Pritchett Moore Insurance today and let our professionals find the right insurance solution for you. Visit pm-insurance.com or stop by the Tuscaloosa office today. Nukes Eatery right there on University Boulevard, 205 University Boulevard. Call ahead orders, 205-758-2455. We always like to say close enough that you can smell the championships. It used to be the fringe of the campus of the University of Alabama. Now the campus has built around them. When you're talking about a great sandwich like the Nukes Q sandwich or maybe a great salad, that macaroni and cheese is outstanding. The bowl of soup, a cup of soup, as we uh, lower temps here in West Alabama, you can parlay those and you can pick a pair. Maybe it's a California-style pizza. Maybe it's the great chicken salad, the pimento cheese, catering from a small office party to a larger corporate event. Nukes Eatery, 205 University Boulevard, close enough that you can smell the championships. Go see Joel Bromfield and all the friendly folks at Nukes on University Boulevard. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool, breezy afternoon. The sky mostly sunny. The high today, 53. Fair tonight with the low at 31. Tomorrow and Friday, lots of sunshine both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow at 59. The high Friday at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 58 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
were talking about it with Kaylin DeBoer a couple of uh, hours ago. We're listening back to some of the audio and some of the press conference. I say press conference. It was just a small media availability, but there was a lot of things to unpack. He talked about his offense, things that he wants to install. We're going to talk about that in the 4 o'clock hour. And about 40 minutes left in the show, 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904. If you're looking for a great place to watch the Alabama-Georgia game, by the way, Alabama is the favorite. Alabama minus the 6.5. Over uh, over and under 167 and a half. Alabama now in the top 25 uh, as of Monday, uh, taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. It'd be nice to continue the success, a little bit of a run, a little bit of a momentum, losing to Tennessee, bouncing back, taking care of Auburn, beating a number eight team, taking care of LSU, the sixth time, uh, breaking a record with 100 points scored or more. Now they go to Georgia, six and a half point favorite over in Athens. We'll continue with more of the game next. Tide 100.9, 1230 WTBC, your home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Over 60 years of serving Tuscaloosa and West Alabama. When you talk about the friendly staff at Pat's Florist and Gourmet Baskets, 1010 Queen City Avenue, when you look at the fall floral arrangements maybe you're trying to lift someone's spirits a little bit under the weather celebrating a birthday or special occasion it's pat's florist 205-345-5093 anniversary birthday get well love romance make someone smile today pat's florist and gourmet baskets wtbc tuscaloosa and w265 cg tuscaloosa a town square media station tide 100.9 and streaming on the tide 100.9 app from the fox sports studios in los angeles Here's Dan Byer. A few hires made in the NFL, including in the head coaching ranks, as the Seattle Seahawks are hiring Mike McDonald to be their new head coach. McDonald, at 36 years of age, becomes the youngest head coach in the NFL as he leaves the Baltimore Ravens, where he was most recently their defensive coordinator. The Carolina Panthers have named Chiefs Vice President of Football Operations Brant Tillis as their executive VP under President of Football Ops Dan Morgan in Carolina. Timberwolves guard Anthony Edwards fined 40 grand for his critical comment of the officiating during their win Monday against the Thunder. Joel Embiid having an MRI today on his injured knee, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer. While Nuggets center Nikola Jokic will miss tonight's game against the Thunder with lower back pain. Marcus All announced his retirement, spent 13 years in the NBA and 20 in his entire career as a professional basketball player. And Baseball Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr., along with Basketball Hall of Famer Grant Hill, are part of the new ownership group of the Orioles, led by David Rubenstein. <laughs>
Tuscaloosa Tide 100.9-1230 WTBC, your home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. We are always powered by Tuscaloosa Toyota, TuscaloosaToyota.com, 3325, Skyla Boulevard, and online at com. If you're looking for a new Tundra, if you're looking for a new Tacoma, two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, how about a 4Runner RAV4, Camry, Corolla, you can see those specials, including some money-saving interest specials. We are taking phone calls. If you want to jump in, we have several lines available, a lot of things to uh, discuss. And I want to throw out some Kalen DeBoer audio because as we're now 33 days away, I mean, you blink, as Torres was talking about a couple of minutes ago, you blink and now you are ready to go back for spring football. And you've got to install a completely different offensive philosophy, the way that they're going to do things. And it's Kalen DeBoer down at the Senior Bowl. Here's what it sounded like when he was talking about implementing some of these new offensive packages. Yeah, you know, uh, from a staff standpoint, we're really looking forward to next week uh, to being around our guys and um, spending a lot of time with the team, you know, back on campus. But um, those that have, have come uh, with us uh, from Washington, yeah, there's certainly an understanding of, you know, even the system, you know, and what what uh, you know what certain concepts concepts are called and how we teach them. Um, so hopefully, uh, back on campus, uh, they're picking up on those things. Uh, Jalen with you know Austin and uh, as well as uh, you know having a center uh, like Parker there um, knows all the calls and uh, we can we can hit the ground running here uh, next week when it comes to installing offense and defense systems you know i can only imagine the cram session that is happening right now because you're trying to learn all this terminology and sometimes it's actually easier i mean football players are are super super smart i mean they're highly intelligent when you look at the way that they play the game of football the way that it's so complex the terminology so this will be an it will be an adjustment because you've got Nick Saban, who they've had. They know the different things. But I go back to let me kind of paint a story here real quick. I remember interviewing Amari Cooper. Doug Nussmeyer was the offensive coordinator at the University of Alabama. Lane Kiffin was coming in, and we got a chance to to speak with a media availability with with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper came in and he said it's just different. And in in what way is it different? Okay. What what way is it different? He said it's more player friendly. And so we asked him, what, is, what does that mean? And I could even circle the spot that I was at. And he goes, we don't have to think. It's like, whoa, well, hold on. If it's an offensive system and you don't have to think, how big of an offensive system is it? And he said, you can actually play the game without being too complex. So as you look at Kalen DeBoer, is is that the method or is this simply – and can you imagine the spring football that we're about to go through? Uh, you're 33 days away from Alabama's first practice. You're already seeing them do things different when you look at order, practicing prior to spring break. They're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, practicing prior to spring break, and then they'll go through 15 days of spring practice. Now, 15 practices spread out about, what, about a 40-day window? No, maybe a little bit. Yeah, no, about 40 days. So they'll start on the 4th and they'll finish on the 13th. So uh, that's 39 days. So you, you think about the, the period of time that they're implementing stuff. But then he mentioned he mentioned two different quarterbacks. Now, let, let's go to this side of things. And he mentioned even the center, talking about the blocking responsibilities, the calls, how that's an advantage and we could have probably asked this to Joe Pendry, talking about the offensive line. How key is that center? When Alabama has been dominant on the offensive side of the football, whether you want to go back to 2020 and you highlight Landon Dickerson or you go back and you highlight Barrett Jones and the years that he was at, uh, Joe Pendry also talked about William Vallejos. William Vallejos is coaching now in the NFL. 
knew the position, understood what it takes to to play at this high level, but also that responsibility. You go back to Ryan Kelly. You think about 2015. Go to the years that Alabama has been good. You almost spend time thinking about that center. And now you have an All-American candidate coming in at the center spot. So you've now removed that, right? Staffing was a problem, and everybody used that as a as a mulligan. And it was certainly a valid mulligan for Jalen Milrow. Now you're going to watch him take that next step as a quarterback. He's a grad student. He can focus on, and what a time. Because if he was taking 18 hours trying to implement the new system, uh, I'd almost feel sorry for him because he wouldn't be able to sleep. He'd be able to you know, study all the offense. Now he's a grad student. He can truly focus on what it takes to play in a in a Kalen DeBoer, Ryan Grubb offensive package. But now, if there was ever a chance that he could take that next step, because there's things that we want to see him do better, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with being better. I mean, Bryce Young won a Heisman Trophy. He can improve the following year, and he did. And he became the overall number one pick. So you look at Jayla Miller holding on to the football, reading defenses, taking into things, and maybe this is where the quarterback specialty of Ryan Grubb. Look at what they did with Michael Penix. Go back and stare at his stats coming out of Indiana going to UW. I voted for him twice. Not as a Heisman winner, but I voted for Michael Penix third last year, and I voted him second this year because of the production that he put up. Scott was not on the radar before he transferred to UW, before he got in this system. So can Jalen Milrow take a similar step? He's not the thrower that Michael Penix is. Michael Penix can absolutely spin the football. But Milrow's not a bad uh, at spinning the football. He's got a strong enough arm, but it, it's can he, can they make him feel comfortable in the offense? Many times when I watched Tommy Reese call the game, it was almost like he was a little stubborn. He said, this is my offensive philosophy. This is what I wanted to do, and I don't want to do anything other than this right here. And I'm not willing to change. And I thought Tommy Reese tried to take Jayla Milrow, and it was a square peg trying to force it into a round hole and say, this is what we're going to do. I know this may not be your strength, but this is my strength. So will Ryan Grubb adjust to that? A little different style than Michael Penix? Or will Jalen Milrow take that significant step? You know, how big of a competition? You know, the word competition scares people. Competition, competition. You know, if your boss today went and hired somebody that did the same job as you did, would you be afraid of competition or would it make you work even harder? You heard Kalen DeBoer mention more than just Jalen Milrow. He talked about Austin and how Austin may play a key role in helping Jalen Milrow understand this offense and what they're looking to try to add to it. And Warren Moon, I thought, gave us one of the best explanations a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, these are the things that you're going to, if you're going to be quarterback under this system, these are the things that you're going to have to do. And it's not a, a road of, you know, impossible to get there. But Jalen Milrow, no doubt, is going to be key component to this offense. Uh, but if you think about it, would there be other competition? Absolutely. And and we'll find out. Listen, I, I heard a lot of things in the fall, and it, it always centered around quarterbacks. You know, I, I even heard just a couple of days ago, someone saw Ty Simpson throw. Said, God, and look the same. He's adjusted his entire game. So pull up a chair, and we're going to watch this NCAA Tennessee. We're also going to watch this quarterback side of things. And even though Milrow is the favorite 
of being, you know, in New York City as a Heisman Trophy, he's not, he's going to get competition. I mean, he's going to get pushed by these guys. These Alabama guys are here. You know, Ty Simpson didn't come back to sit on the bench. He said, he said, he thought that he had a role. So Ty Simpson's there. Austin Mack, big, good-looking freshman kid from last year coming in from UW. Already knows the system. Understands the coaches, what they expect of him. Dylan Lonergan, he's given up, not given up, but he's he's put baseball on pause. This guy would have been a highly thought-of Major League Baseball draft pick. He put it on the side and said, hey, we're going to focus on the football side of things. So keep your eye on Dylan Lonergan. Will it truly be a competition, or is this nobody can unseat Jalen Milrow? College football head coaches. This one's going to shock you a little bit. Dave Bartu shared a couple of things with us a couple of days ago, right? Dave Bartu went in. He said, on the field, there is no other coach higher than Kaylin DeBoer on the field. Today, on three, list their top ten football coaches. Kirby Smart at one. At this point, is there any debate? It's odd seeing no Nick Saban at that number one spot, is it not? When you open up this tab and you're going, hold on, Kirby's smart at number one? Where's Nick Saban? He's retired. He's playing golf. He's hanging out with, um, what was the guy, Travis Scott and 50 cents or 45 cents or whatever it was. Uh, he, he's, he's doing those things. Kirby smart, number one. The debate really starts at two. Brian Kelly. Y'all help me with Brian Kelly. Did he not build that defense that was a disaster this past year at LSU? I mean, isn't he responsible for that? Are we just giving him a mulligan? Brian Kelly at number two. Who's number three? Kalen DeBoer in front of Ryan Day. So we've enhanced the brand of Kalen DeBoer and Kalen DeBoer uh, right there at that number three spot. Sark is five. Ryan Day is four. Sark is five. Dabo, multiple national titles at six. Mike Nervell, Florida State at seven. Kyle Whittingham at eight. Lincoln Riley, nine. Lane Kiffin at ten. You know, when I look at this list, a couple of things that jump out to me. When you think about how college football has changed, because we have now passed the torch from a lot of these veteran coaches to the younger guys. I mean, Kirby Smart's a young coach. Brian Kelly, not really. Kaylin DeBoer, young coach. Ron Day, young coach. Sark, eh, kind of middle. Dabo, younger coach in his early 50s. Mike Nervell, younger coach. Kyle Whittingham, Lincoln Riley, Lane Kiffin. All those guys, many of those guys are in their 40s. Will they be able to maintain this status right now in college football? Let's go to Jared in Houston, Texas. Jared, good afternoon. You're in the game. I hope all is well, man. Going good, Ryan. How are you doing today, man? Oh, it's great, man. I was just sitting here thinking about all these sinners at Alabama. Yeah, you know, you've had some good ones, you know, from Barrett Jones to Ryan Kelly, Bradley Bozeman, um, uh, Dickerson. I mean, you've had, there, there's been some some really, really good ones. But I want to talk about Jalen Miller a little bit. You okay. Were, you are talking about can he have that year where he takes that next step, and I – I feel like Jalen Milrow has kind of been shortchanged this first couple of years at Alabama because Bill O'Brien told him he shouldn't play quarterback. So I guarantee you Bill O'Brien didn't give him the coaching he should no, have. No, he did when, not. You know, when he was there. And I'm, and I'm glad he's Tommy in Ohio Reese. State, by the way. And then you have Tommy Reese come in there trying, like you said, trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. So, you know, I, I'm I'm excited for what, 
for what uh, Grubb can do with Jalen Milrow because the guy is such a superior athlete. I mean, he looks like Adonis out there on the football field. And if he can get some proper coaching from a truly offensive specialist that understands how to teach these kids to get to the next level, like he did at Michael Penix, I think I think uh, Jalen Milrow can excel in this system with proper coaching because I don't think he's had the coaching he's deserved the last two years, in my opinion. And think about the quarterback attention. You've got a head coach that has coached yep. quarterbacks, an offensive-minded head coach. You've got Ryan Grubb coming in. You've got Scott Huff, the offensive line coach. you got Jamarcus Shepard, the wide receiver coach. There's a lot of smart minds in there on that quarterback side of things. I mean, and it all and, uh, and you know, with the receivers, you got to have a quarterback. With offensive line, you got to have a quarterback. I mean, the it's it's all about the quarterback. It's especially at the University of Alabama. It's not and if the we don't fix stop. our offensive line, Jerry, none of this really matters. It doesn't matter at all. If you can't if you can't get everybody blocked and and you know, uh, if you can't run the football and establish some dominance on the offensive line. Um, the passing game, when you become one-dimensional and everyone knows what you're going to do, you 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 know you might as well just. Well, we gave up. Just, I mean, we were 128 out of 133 in college football sacks. and giving up that many sacks. And, and the that entire used to be season, Alabama strength. Yeah, and Kalen DeBoer in year number two at UW, he gave up 12. We yeah, had we one used guy to not give that any gave up, up and we used to get 50. I mean, let that sink in, Jared. I mean, oh, 12 yeah, no, sacks right. the entire season. We gave up, what did you say, 47? 47, 47 sacks. Yep, yep. And we used to get 50 on defense, and we'd give up 10, 15 a year, you know, maybe one a game uh, on average, you know, during the Nick Saban era. And it's because we had superior offensive line play. And, you know, with, with our new offensive line, our award-winning offensive line coach coming in who had the best offensive line in the country last year, I'm excited to see what he could do, but but my my main reason for my call today was to you know just to kind of chime in a little bit. What you asked, can can Jalen Milrow take that next step? And I think he can because I think he's going to get the kind of coaching he deserves. Bill O'Brien didn't give him two cents, and I'm not sure Tommy Reese was ever. No, it was not fair so, with with what Bill O'Brien, the way that he coached. No, but that was no. identified. I mean, we talked about Bill O'Brien until we were we were blue in the face. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think I, he I, almost screwed up Bryce Young. Well, he screwed up the Houston Texans organization in, in some kind of bad way, and I'm, I'm thankful for Demetrius Ryan's turning things around. But you know, I, I just don't think that um, that Bill O'Brien did did our guys any justice, except for uh, maybe Bryce. He he you know, he gave Bryce all the attention and didn't think about the future because he knew he wasn't going to be here but two years, so he didn't care about what the future held. You know, it was it was he was going to be up to the next guy, and, and I, you know, you kind of have to put that on Nick Saban a little bit, but but um, you know, I just don't think Jalen got the coaching that he deserves to get. I agree, and I think and I think he'll get it now, and I and I'm I'm anxious to see um, what he can do with it. And that is the the big story when you think about you know this offense. Can we take this next step? Can we take this offense and make it that explosive? Because Jared, there's got to be some growing pains on the defensive side of the football. And this is, you know, no offense to uh, Kane Womack is that defense is not going to be as strong because you've lost a lot of dudes. I mean, well, you, one thing, one thing that we'll have going in as an advantage 
is not many of them will know how to prepare for Cade Womack with this level of talent. Um, fair, because the level fair. of talent that Cade Womack is going to be coaching is going to be coaching a different system. Kirby Smart will pull his hair out. He's used to seeing the same. He runs the same thing Nick does. And he, he's so maybe that's him, the okay. advantage Alabama is. We're going to be unpredictable. That's that, that. In my opinion, that's that's got to be our advantage. And, and I think we have a good enough core on defense. And I think we have the ability to bring some more guys in if we if they identify needs. Um, and I'm I'm sure they'll identify some and they'll they'll bring some in. And and but it's all about scheme. And they're going to be running a completely different scheme than they've ever run. And no one's seen that level of talent in his scheme. Yeah, they can go watch South Alabama film, but the guys running sidelines to sidelines are a half a second slower than the guys at Alabama running sidelines to well, sidelines. Well, and, and here's they- the here's the other part, because we were just talking about quarterbacks. We are talking about this. Kyrie Jackson, which was a defensive back here in Tuscaloosa, told Chase Goodbread down at the Senior Bowl, Kyrie Jackson, who played at Oregon this past year, is playing at the Senior Bowl there. He faced Washington twice this year, as Chase Goodbread points out. He said... Kyrie Jackson told him that the DeBoer Grubb scheme is the most complicated offense he's ever seen. Well, you know, if, that's a if big that's statement. Case, it is a big statement. It is a big statement. But you know, we got some. I think we got some smart guys here. Like you said, football guys are smart. Look, it's all it's all about scheme to them. And, and young guys playing football, it's all about the scheme. What can we do to beat the other guy? And then these guys will lock in. They'll figure it out and they'll learn it. Um, they, they love the scheme against the other side. You know, one side of the football against the other. And the scheme is, is, the scheme is what is exciting to these kids. It's about scheming. What are we going to, how are we going to scheme this game and win and beat these guys? And, and they'll, they'll lock in. And, um, I think, um, the way that Kalen DeBoer is able to teach it, um, like he mentioned today at the at the Senior Bowl, um, will will help the kids. And I mean, he surely he surely done it everywhere he's ever been. You know, South Dakota State didn't have any problem. Fresno State was pretty dang good. Washington sure didn't have no problem under Kalen DeBoer. So, you know, who's to say the guys from Alabama can't do it too? So I, I I'm not I'm not concerned about that. I, I just I'm just ready to get the season going, man. I'm ready to bloody some noise. Well, I I can't wait for spring football. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think a day is going to be massive. I do, I do as well because I think the I think interest around spring football, thirty-three days away, is going to be off the charts. Jared, I appreciate Brian, you. Man. The, I hope you the, the curiosity, the yes. curiosity is going to bring them to the state, and that's the part because you get a chance firsthand to see what this new offense is going to be like. Because yep. you know Baton Rouge, they're telling you Alabama is going to slide. Athens, Georgia, they're telling you Alabama is going to slide. Auburn, Alabama, they don't even know today's uh, Wednesday, uh, but they're telling Ryan, you Alabama's going to slide. They've been saying we're going to slide for years. We've always pinned that up on and, the bulletin board and, 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 and taken advantage of it. Let them keep running their chin. And I think this team will probably use some of that as motivation. Thanks, man, so much. I hope you have a great you rest of your day. Jared yes, in, sir. Roll Tide. Jared in Houston, Texas. We roll on. Tide 100.9, WTBC. Your home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. 
State and local police are asking for help locating a 16-year-old missing in Lamar County Wednesday. According to an emergency missing child alert issued by the Alabama Law Enforcement Agency Wednesday morning, the Vernon Police Department is asking for help to find Derek Anthony Cohen Jr. Cohen is 16 and was last seen at 11.30 p.m. Tuesday, but has been missing since. Elected officials in Tuscaloosa are weighing whether to revoke the business license of a hookah lounge where a security guard beat and fatally shot a 28-year-old man last weekend. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. Tide 100.9 Traffic. Tuscaloosa traffic now from the Townsend Nissan Traffic Center. Happy hump day to you. Dealing with a fender bender on Culver Road at Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Now this is going to uh, cause quite a stir in the area as it is slowing you down a bit. And then we've got the construction, all of our favorites, on 2059. And that That's simple human sense. So contact Pritchett Moore Insurance today and let our professionals find the right insurance solution for you. Visit pm-insurance.com or stop by the Tuscaloosa office today. With only 43 seconds remaining, facing a fourth and goal from the 31-yard line at Jordan-Hare Stadium, quarterback Jalen Milrow finds himself under immense pressure, scrambling to connect with Isaiah Bond in the corner of the end zone for a miraculous come-from-behind victory over Auburn. The jaw-dropping 27-24 result came on the 10th anniversary of the kick six. Daniel Moore is proud to announce 4th and 31, his upcoming oil painting featuring the now-famous Gravedigger play. New Life Art is now accepting pre-orders for limited-edition fine art prints and canvases of 4th and 31. See the preliminary pencil sketch for the artist's full-color painting at danielmoreart.com. Pre-order your artwork. And right. That's simple human sense. So contact Pritchett Moore Insurance today and let our professionals find the right insurance solution for you. Visit pm-insurance.com or stop by the Tuscaloosa office today. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cool, breezy afternoon. The sky mostly sunny. The high today, 53. Fair tonight with a low at 31. Tomorrow and Friday, lots of sunshine both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow at 59. The high Friday at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 57 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Where the legends of Alabama football hang out. Lacey, huge hole. Touchdown. Yep, yep. Alabama touchdown. The game with Ryan Fowler. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Package. That's one of the things that we want to dive into here because uh, there's a couple of audio clips down in the Senior Bowl and Kalen DeBoer. So I want to go back to installing this offense because we're 33 days away from Alabama's first practice. We're 73 days away from May Day 213 brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. I also want to remind you about Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. And uh, they are always some great specials Monday through Saturday, lunch and dinner options, Southern Owl House. And right now for a limited time, they're doing a lasagna soup. Now, I've never had lasagna soup, but if I know Brett Garner, 
That guy can flat out cook some great meals. So I'll trust him on that. Uh, always lunch and dinner options, Southern Owl House. Let's go to K1 DeBoer talking about installing this upcoming offense this spring. Yeah, I think, first of all, from a coach's standpoint, you just jump all in. And, uh, you know, as far as getting to know the guys and uh, the relationships, um, and I think that's what you ask of your players, too, is not try to wonder and, and second-guess in any way. Um, and if they brace, embrace uh, what we are going to bring to them, you know, we can make these strides uh, very quickly in the, in the weeks and weeks ahead uh, so that's Kaywin Boer talking about the install on the offensive side of the football. We'll continue to unpack that. We're going to get out of here a little bit early today. We got 4.30 coming up, Alabama's Crimson Tide Sports Network. The pregame for basketball, they're going to get you ready for Alabama, Georgia with Chris, Tom, and all of the guys uh, there on the CTSN network because we are the flagship station of Alabama Crimson Tide Athletics. We're going to play that coming up in just a couple of minutes. So we're going to get you over to Georgia a little bit early. This is an early game, 5.30 Central Time. If you're looking for a great place to hang out r and r cigars 2703 6th street down in downtown tuscaloosa so we're going to get out of here appreciate brody appreciate noah always appreciate you guys for being a part of our show always double thanks to joe pendry spent two different segments with us aaron torres we'll do it again tomorrow we're going to feature an nfl coach a current nfl coach that can help us understand nick saban we'll also feature rodney or i want to thank our law enforcement officers emts firefighters First Responders, Highway Patrol, we thank you. We appreciate you. We remind you that we call this program the game. And the only way that you can win the big game, the game of life, is to walk daily with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good night, T-Town. Roll Tide, Alabama, Georgia, next here on Tide 100.9.